What's up, Cheeky Babes and you delicious humans, and welcome back to the podcast, Two Birds, One Pod. This is episode number 10, and today we are talking about the documentary Mirror, Mirror, and I don't know about you, but I'm fucking pumped for this episode, but before we get into it, CK, give us an update. How's your week been? Good. Good morning, everyone. Oh, it's been a big week for me on a couple of different levels. I kind of, I think a couple of episodes back, we were talking about just like all the emotional trivials of being human and how sometimes you just feel like you can't catch a bloody break from life. And I'm just feeling a little bit like that at the moment. I've just had a lot of emotional stuff that I've personally had to work out. It's just work through and it's just been a little bit exhausting. Um, On the other hand, I've also been working on a really big, project within my strong mum's business and I've been putting in a hell of a lot of hours into creating this program and it's been very draining and very tiring but I am so proud of what I am creating and I cannot wait to help so many amazing mamas so I'm very very excited about that um, I just can't wait till it's done and then I can just like take a step back and be like, whew, at the moment I'm just still in the thick of it. And, and I've got my period, which is just, ugh, just emotions and I just feel yucky. It's not, it's just not nice sometimes. Grateful that I have a healthy body, um, but sometimes I'm just like, yeah, it's not fun. What about you? Ooh, <laughs> what's, what's your week been like? There was a while there that our periods were synced, but then I had this yeah. weird like lapse in my period and I don't have my periods right now. So that's a fun <laughs> Anyway, um, read your program. Your <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is it yeah. a secret or do you want to talk about it? Can you share a little at the bit? Moment, the- at the moment, I haven't talked about it. Um, yeah, so it's a, little, it's a secret. It's tightly wrapped up in a nice little bow at the moment, but... Yeah, I'll, sl- I'll slowly start revealing. Don't you love that when everyone's like, I'm working on something really exciting with the secret. Yeah. And I'm not saying this about you, but like, you know, those influencers that are like, oh my God, secret project. And I'm not, again, I'm just saying that's you. <laughs> it's me. Let's be honest. It's me. <laughs> no, it's not. It's anyway, I'm really, really excited. You've been working really fucking hard. And yeah, I guess with releasing something new into the world and being your own being an entrepreneur and being someone who puts their own intellectual property into something that then people are going to purchase one day. It it takes a lot of courage and it's something that you and I face constantly, but yeah, I'm really proud of you for taking action on this. It's going to be fucking lit. Yes. I'm very excited. I don't know why I keep using that word, by the way. It's lit. Lit. I keep using the word like lit and litty in my lingo (laughs) and I don't know why, because I'm not like 18. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've had an interestingly emotional week as well. Um, I remember you, what day you called me on Saturday, I think, or a day, mm. and you were sharing how mm. proud of yourself you were, which was fucking exciting. And then you were like, "How are you?" And I'm like, "I had a really bad mental health day." <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't know. I just had a really bad couple of days with my mental health, but I'm really proud that I gave myself space and grace and did things that really fill my cup up and now I feel fucking great. So just a reminder to anyone, 
treat your mental health like you treat your physical health. A lot of the time, mm. if we are physically ill, we literally rest and we fill ourselves with vitamins and go into the sun or like whatever it is that you do when, when you're physically unwell. So just treat your mental health the same way and then you'll be able to move through whatever it is that you're going through. Hoorah. Yep. The other thing that's really exciting is I have just released a brand new free little program. So it is called the seven day body confidence overhaul program. And Yee-hew. how exciting uh, yay i want to hear all about it sorry i interrupted tell that's me right. <laughs> to reuse my word is fucking liddy <laughs> um, no i'm really really proud of it so it's basically a seven day series where you sign up and then each day you get an email and in the email it is a different tip and then it gives you a task because of course Information is nothing without integration. You can't transform if you're just reading information. So which with each day, there's a little task for you to do. And then you can also join our community Facebook group if you want to share what it is that you're going through. So, yeah, I'm really excited as I sort of, as I've released my body confidence course, this is just a little sort of starter kit per se, or just a little free little program for someone to get started with body confidence because a lot of the time our self-worth might stop us from working on this kind of stuff or there's a bunch of different reasons so yeah I'm really really proud of that um so link will be in the show notes (laughs) yes I'm very very excited about your course so that's been my week ups and downs and roundabouts but that's part of being human isn't it yeah and it's awesome that you were you know able to recognize where your mental health was sitting and like you said give yourself the love and the grace I think yes just you said that reminder make sure we're prioritizing and prioritizing your mental health as well as our physical it's definitely something that I didn't used to do and that's why now I like to continue to remind people to do that because I used to be the person that would just push through and feel like I had to keep doing 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 but doing is not the solution to our mental health. The solution to our mental health is being and understanding how we're feeling, what our thoughts are, what's going on. Um, and so, yeah, it's a really good reminder. And it's something that we collectively will continue to remind you guys because human beings need to hear shit a lot of fucking times for it to sink in. So we'll keep reminding you of that because both of us are very, very, very passionate advocates. Thank you. <laughs> yes, we're big advocates for mental health um, and prioritizing ourselves. So, yeah, we will continue to remind you of that. Today, we're talking about Mirror Mirror, the documentary series, as you uh, mentioned. And I think this is going to be a very interesting podcast conversation discussion because although we do share um, very similar beliefs and values on a lot of the things we're going to talk about, I think we also have some very different opinions as well. So yeah, I think it's going to make a great conversation. And I think it's important to have conversations with people who may have different opinions on a subject and be open-minded about it. And because you can learn so much, whether you, it's and it's not necessarily about changing your belief systems or the way you think, but just being open to another person's opinions and another person's way of thinking and believing. So yeah, I'm really, really excited about today's conversation and just hearing your opinion my opinion and then 
seeing where it all goes. Yeah, so I watched this documentary last year and it was honestly, the reason I, I'm like fucking so excited for this episode for, for, for a few reasons. One, because uh, you and I, like you said, have some differing views, which I think, like you said, is, is makes for a great conversation. And secondly, it was actually probably the turning point in me realizing in amongst all of this, like, self-love, body image, body confidence world. Like, I'm like, I got that fucking fired up after watching these documentaries. I'm like, this is it. Like, this is literally it. This is what I'm really passionate about. And this is what I need to be teaching on. And so when I suggested it, I was excited that we were able to bring it to you guys. So as a bit of an explanation, Mirror Mirror is a two-part documentary series. It's on 10 Play if you're in Australia and you do want to watch it yourself. If you're from overseas, I don't know if you'll be able to find it. (laughs) I don't don't know. It is by a guy by the name of Todd Sampson, who was in the advertising industry for 15 years. And he's now a parent with young daughters and has gotten out of the advertising industry and he's realized how manipulative advertising messages are and how detrimental they can be to human beings in general and creating insecurities or profiting off insecurities and how much it like twists the knife of someone who already has body dissatisfaction to make them feel even more dissatisfied with their body. He explores his words, the societal crisis of body image dissatisfaction and the manipulative trillion dollar industries that profit off it. The reason it's called Mirror Mirror is because he starts it with saying, Mirror Mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all? And so it's really just about our image, our dissatisfaction with our image and the impact that social media and advertising has had on exacerbating our dissatisfaction with our image. We think it's really important to talk about, of course, both of us being in, I guess, the general umbrella of like the women empowerment space. Yeah. And there's a lot of different, very interesting people and very interesting stories. Highly recommend you go watch these documentaries. It gets just, it's very interesting. Um, I definitely learned a lot and it's amazing to see the extremes that people do go to, to attain this ideal body image or to help them move through this body dissatisfaction and yeah we'll go on a little bit more about that as we talk about you know a couple of the different topics so there are a number of different topics we'll just run through each of them and we're just going to pick out some that stood out a little bit more to us and that we think are a little bit more relevant to us in our audience Um, So let's start from the top. So we had the human Barbie doll, which was a lovely lady called uh, Tara Dane. What were your thoughts on this subject? Just briefly. She was someone who basically created a body. Her words is that she created a body that was already an Instagram filter. And Mm. what that meant is she could take a photo and look like an Instagram filter. So she has exaggerated her image so much, her lips, her tits her butt her tan so much so that she can take a picture and feel like she is the perfect ideal from social media she was she was trying to create a doll she wanted to look like a barbie doll which yeah fascinating (laughs) another subject was social media and the impacts that social media has on the individual we have done a, a big a podcast episode on the impacts of social media, um, episode three. So we will touch a little bit more on that. We also had, what was her name? 
there's so there was a 24 year old girl called jade who in in this part of the uh documentary they started talking about cosmetic surgery and she was very unhappy with her breasts and so she had a fat transfer from her tummy and her love handles to her boobies to her boobies it looked good let's be honest they looked good before they looked good after too um also touch on it talks about the youth ideal and the skin care phenomena and uh, phenomena phenomenon phenomena either or Uh, and I thought it was real like it's just again just the impacts of advertising the gentleman Todd he went and got like a skin aging test done and he aged at 51 which was his his age and then he went on a six-week anti-aging skincare routine and when he got the test done again and he'd actually aged three years. So, yeah, from 51 to 54, which just goes to show that it's all utter bullshit. Yeah, six weeks of anti-aging and you're supposed to have all these things um, happen and improve and they hadn't because yeah. creams really aren't going to do anything. We're not actually going to talk about that one, but just in brief brief terms he coming from someone who's been in the advertising industry he was reading some labels of skincare products and he used the term weasel words so they use these words like fighting aging and something else that can't be measured so a lot of the claims made by these skincare products first of all there's no testing that's done there's no industry standard that exists as well as using these weasel his words weasel words um, that means that you can't actually quantify the effects or the success of the product. And it was actually fascinating because, of course, everyone these days is like, I'm turning 30, I need to implement a skincare routine. And, yeah, it was just actually quite fascinating. Yeah, and then that kind of led on to fighting ageing and it was a 72-year-old woman who was dissatisfied with her ageing process and um, got a face lift. Um And then it kind of went went into body dissatisfaction for men. And there was actually a really interesting statistic. And I think you shared one of them last night on your Instagram story. Yeah, it said that 40% of people who struggle with binge eating are men, which Mm. I put on my story and I put a little poll, surprising or unsurprising, and everyone said surprising because, of course, women are very vocal about this stuff. But I think there's still a lot of shame for men Uh, about struggling with both binge eating and body image which I think can be very related yeah I'm I feel I'm a little bit more aware that men definitely do struggle with this because I do have some friends close friends who I've talked to and who are very open who are men about body image and the issues that they're they're facing so it is a massive thing for men as well as women Um, and when you actually think about it it's not it's not surprising. And there's another little bit later on about the dark side fitness and then the muscular ideal, which was a lot more related to men in the fitness industry and how, you know, they're using steroids to create this uh, body image and, and, and then it's unattainable and then the effects that that can have on men. And that's just very similar to what women see on social media, just in a, maybe in a different light. And not always because some women will look at really muscular women and that's what they want to attain for. But those women are taking steroids, so you're not necessarily going to get there. But um, body dissatisfaction for men is a real thing. Uh, Another one was the white ideal, which is something that I 
I thought was really interesting, not something that I've ever had to deal with, and it uh, was specifying more the Asian culture and how they're using whitening creams to lighten their skin because it is more desirable. It means that you're more wealthy and that if your skin is darker, it usually means you're out in the sun, so you're a labourer, and that's not something that is found to be attractive. So I thought that was very interesting. Creams, and there's someone even found tablets that Mm. to ingest and that's going to make you whiter, and I just think that's incredibly sad. And also ironic because a lot of the times our culture we want to be more tanned and that's beautiful like it's just different cultures which I found very interesting just just on that the the girl who was sort of the case study for that um body dissatisfaction area was a, a Malaysian girl and she showed an image of when she did a bikini a bodybuilding competition and of course when you're doing that they layer the fucking tan on to accentuate your muscles And one of the comments she made was, don't make my face black. And again, it's not something that you and I have had to deal with, probably not something that a lot of our audience have had to deal with. But it was just, yeah, like Corinne said, actually fascinating because, as you said, our culture wants to be more tanned, but she did everything possible to disassociate with darker skin because, yeah, at home, it's you're associated with being a working class person. So fucking interesting. Um, The next one that they spoke about was trans and gender diverse people, which, again, is not something that you and I have had to deal with. However, it was a very, very relevant conversation, of course, and something that is a lot more widely spoken about these days with transgender people and people having, what's it called, gender surgery, where they alter their genitalia and how they transition and take different hormone replacement things to alter their gender and the example that they use, sorry, that was really badly worded. <laughs> I'm not trying to be offensive if we have any transgender people listening. I'm really sorry. My wording we, was fucking horrible. I think we probably just lack a little bit of education surrounding that topic. Like, yeah, it's not something that we've studied really. Support, yeah. yes. Know much about, no. No, yes. Thank <laughs> um, you. But the example that they used was a person who had transitioned from a male to a female and of course your bone structure in your face as a male to a female is quite different and she wanted more feminine features and so she actually went in for surgery to alter her nose and her chin to look more feminine and her forehead as well and her forehead and then we kind of touched on briefly the dark side of fitness and muscular ideal so the dark side of fitness was this uh, very successful bodybuilder in um, I think it was the IFBB and the Australian Olympia. I'm probably butchering yeah, that. He was but Miss, he'd won, Mr. Australia. Uh, and he'd won, what, like three three he titles? Was- and he was, yeah, if you were to put him on a scale of healthy body image to not, he's definitely on that lower end. He was highly body dysphoric and he made statements like he is this real muscular guy right and he's eating something like 10,000 calories a day which is just insane watching him eat I was like oh how do you do it and he's this massive guy and he was even saying all I see is a stick and yeah I was like wow that just blew my mind how he just doesn't see what he is what was fascinating actually you know what like this whole fucking thing fascinated me I was literally sitting 
there last night. I was watching this last night again just to kind of rejig my brain. But I was sitting there like, oh, my God, this is fucking so fascinating. I was literally saying that out loud. But what (laughs) is interesting about all of these humans is that every single one, except for the last person who had body dysmorphic disorder, which is like a whole, literally your brain chemistry is different, and we'll get into that in a second. But um, all of these humans their body image struggles came from childhood trauma. Mm, and that's a big, like, yeah, big thing that I want to touch on as well is, which I think will come out later on as well, because I often wrote on my notes is, but what's the cause? What's the real cause? Where is this actually coming from? Whilst I think like genetics and t- in terms of personality, some people just have um, some personality traits and like with that body dysphormic disorder, it's actually a visual disorder so they're all genetics brain chemistry but then there's the other half of it too which is nurture I'm like yeah what has kind of triggered these people to go on either end of that sliding scale of body image dissatisfaction yeah so yeah, this guy interesting they they labeled it which i've never heard they labeled his struggles i don't want to use the word disorder but they labeled his struggles as bigorexia meaning Mm. it's the opposite to anorexia, meaning that he never felt like he could be big enough. And he actually spoke about the fact that his dad beat him, like physically beat him, and that he was bullied when he was younger for being called little. And he said, I just never want to be that little guy. And so his Mm. driving force was his childhood trauma of he wanted to be physically strong and big so he could never get beaten again, hurt. Mm. And also driven from, yeah, this bullying that he received for being called like skinny and little and stuff. And every, almost every single one of these people that they sort of use as these case studies for the different areas of body dissatisfaction come from a place of childhood trauma, which I guess to circle back to our episode on schemas and coping modes, it's, it's, it's all interrelated. So yeah, I just, unsurprising, but just important to note. Yeah, so bigger yeah, my notes, uh, muscle dysmorphia, and it's a psychological disorder, yeah. which, yeah, and it's, yeah, very fascinating listening to how he's talking about himself and what he sees versus what he actually is. Yeah, super fascinating. And then we've got the muscular ideal, which went through kind of like these male IG influencers who had taken multiple different performance enhancing drugs to create this muscular shape and I kind of talked about a bit about steroid use and how you know all the photos and images that they take are from these ideal positions and that you know often the body that we can be striving for is not natural it's especially in that fitness space a lot of those people men and even women have taken performance enhancers to achieve the physique that they've achieved, which I look cool. Each to your own, you do what you want to do. You make the decisions about your body. But you then the issue that I have is if you're advertising your 12-week program, look like me, number one, it's not going to happen in 12 weeks. Number two, you've taken drugs, so they're never going to. It's just be honest about it. Don't sell something that the average person is not going to be able to achieve. Yeah, I mean, it lacks integrity entirely which you like you're literally lying (laughs) Um, (laughs) yeah and something that I found really interesting in that segment was 
these guys were like fully consciously aware of the effects mm. and impacts and implications and consequences of steroid usage or performance enhancing drugs. And so much so that one of the guys said, people are aware that they know that this shit could kill them, but they will go to any length to achieve the physique that they're trying to achieve. And the effect that social media has had on someone's mental health or body dissatisfaction so that they will go to the lengths of doing something that physically harms them over time and has the ability to kill them like sorry i, it's I don't massive. really have words to put together here like I'm, it's, I just, it's massive it fascinates me it fascinates me yeah and i guess that's what this whole documentary is about is those extremes that people are going to achieve these beauty slash muscular standards and, yeah, the impact that advertising and social media has on that. What was next? The Brazilian butt lift. I wanted to talk about this. We're going to go into detail on this one. So just in short, the Brazilian butt lift is a cosmetic surgery whereby they take fat from undesirable areas, a.k.a. for women, your stomach and your love handles, and they re-inject that fat into your butt and your hips so that you get that Kimmy K look. Fucking wild, the impact that basically one person can have on like an entire generation of women. But like I said, we'll be talking about that a little bit. We'll be going into depth and on that men. one. And men, and true. men, cause it, true. Because it was a man that was getting the surgery done. Yeah. True. Which was, that is very true. Yep. So, both. Oh, just interesting statistic. The diet industry is the only industry that can survive a 98% survival rate like, as in 98 percent of failure rate yes it can survive survival. a failure just rate, to yes. clarify <laughs> yeah <laughs> honestly 98 percent of diets diets failure yet the industry is the one of the biggest 100 billion dollar industry and we did a billion. whole topic on yeah we did a whole topic on fat diets so you should be very aware on how we feel about <laughs> the diet <laughs> industry it's yeah. fucked yeah there we wrote the puppet lady that's because the case study that um was utilized was this lady who is she's on the advisory board for the health at every size movement i don't know what advisory board who she's advising i don't really know what that meant but that was the title that they gave her and she the reason that it says puppet lady is because she um goes into schools and she teaches people about body positivity and loving your body at any size through a puppet show and also about the body and the mind which i thought was really cool so uh you know she had the pup saying something like do we love our bodies yes do we love how we think yes do we love how we feel yes and i think yeah and i think one of the biggest takeaways in what she was teaching for these young children is yes loving our body is important but it's so much more than that how like what we do with our brains and how we feel and who we are as people is probably what is the most important. And I definitely sit so far, like I'm right on the fence when it comes to health at every size. I have a lot of thoughts and feelings about this. I am because although I have my opinions, I have a very, like, I like to think I have an understanding or, okay, I don't have an understanding because I have never been in the larger body but I can, I can understand what they're saying, I think, is what I'm trying to say. I can understand where they're coming from, and, but that doesn't mean I always have to agree, right? And I think down the track we're going to be doing episodes on the Health at Every Size movement. Controversial. Uh, 
<laughs> it's just a big topic that I think there's a lot to talk about and we want to make is. sure that we give it justice and we do it right. And we have not just us but professionals as well talking about that that topic. Bariatric surgery is a weight loss surgery. It's a surgery where they go in and remove 80% of your stomach. It's basically an enforced diet because you can only consume like fucking a little small amount of calories. That's that. We'll get into it in a sec. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk more about it. <laughs> There's a few things that I want to say, especially about the lady who they were talking about. Um, then we have the sexy ideal, which was sexualized beauty standards and just, yeah, how Instagram and social media is then funneling into OnlyFans where people can make shit tons of money by selling their body, essentially. Um, there was one thing that we kind of talked about. It was, uh, is his name Todd? He had asked this chick a question about, you know, do you think it's empowering for women what you're doing, how you're sexualizing your body? And I thought her answer was really interesting, but then his view and his opinion was interesting as well. So um, her view was about how women's sexualization had always been controlled by men. And now this is an opportunity for women to control it, which, you know, can be really empowering. Um, and there's parts of that I, that that I definitely agree with. But then the question is, is selling your body and selling your sexuality, like, is that for empowerment or is that for profit? It's for profit. <laughs> she's, doing yeah. it, she's doing it for the money. <laughs> she's like, I'm making twenty five to 30000 a month Which selling is, her body. And she's doing like softcore and hardcore And hardcore porn. porn. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I don't know, it's, we have very similar views on this. I can see where she's coming from. I can see that she feels that she has ownership over her body, ownership over the money that she's making, ownership over something that, as you said, she felt like, or it's actually true, that um, men or large corporations had control over before, that is pornography, basically, or female sexuality to a, deg to a degree. Um, but... Yeah, she's she's profiting off selling her body and s selling it per se as female empowerment. But is it? I don't know. I don't know. And I think that's going to come. I think that largely comes down to the individual, yes, as well. Like for me, it's not empowerment with my sexuality. Is just being confident in my sexuality, being confident to express that to whoever I need to, that would be my husband, being confident enough to explore that myself without feeling shame, guilt, whatever, whatever. That's sexual empowerment for me. And then if I was to put that on social media, put my body on social media or create an OnlyFans, I'm then doing it to make money. That's just my yeah. opinion. And yeah, th th these are our opinions. We're not disagreeing with her because everyone's own opinions are valid and you can think whatever the fuck you want. Um, but yeah, that's our opinion. And, um, what's interesting and and you just to, I know you'll want to talk about this stat, but Todd Sampson was witness to them doing a photo shoot on a bed for Instagram, which then draws traffic to their only fans. And the photographer was like, oh yeah, this is Instagram worthy. And it was two chicks on a Instagram bed. Instagram safe. Instagram, Instagram safe. safe. That's right. Yeah. In very revealing lingerie on top of each other. And Todd Sampson, the director's comment was, 
this is Instagram safe. And he's like, my kids are on Instagram. And then the Mm. statistic that was discussed in this moment was that 30% of kids under 12 are exposed to pornography images on Instagram. And most of them are, they come across it unintentionally. And before the age of 12 years, before the age of 12, 30% of kids will see pornographic images. Yeah. Because under 12, like, obviously we didn't have phones or social media and like, I just feel like our youth, our youth's innocence is being corrupted. Yeah. Like, (laughs) yeah. Our our youth's innocence is becoming shorter span of life. I don't know how to word that better. Like, because of these images and the impact of social media, people who are young are being, (laughs) I don't know fucking know how to word this. (laughs) It's fun. It is Yeah, but like, innocence, like, I didn't know about porn or sex or any of that shit until I was like probably mid-teens and that was probably also because I was very sheltered and I went to an all-girls private school and blah, blah, blah. But I feel like our innocence for our youth is just being diminished and decreased in terms of the age of them retaining their innocence. Yeah, there you go. You got it out. And um, (laughs) it also went to say something along the lines of then, you know, our youth then see these images and that becomes what the normal, the norm for sexuality is when, you know, that's it, it, cool. It probably is for some, but it's not for everyone. And it's just that thing, like what you see on porn isn't always what happens in real life, right? Now kids oh, are believing that time. this pornography, <laughs> it depends on what your sexual interests are, right? True. Um, <laughs> And our children are seeing these images and this pornography and they're like, cool, this is how a woman wants to be treated or a man wants to be treated and it's not always the truth. Another thing, just because we're not actually going to talk about it even though we've ended up talking about it, the other thing that she said, (laughs) she being the girl who they were case studying in this particular section was that she now being in this industry compares herself to other women and she's noticing that other women who have the BBL, the big butt, the big tits, the whatever – Um, are getting more attention or more income and so now she's comparing herself to them and feeling like she needs to go and get this surgery so that she can like compete per se with all of the other women in the in her industry so I thought that was really interesting as as we were talking about cosmetic Mm -mm. surgery that now there's this comparison within the industry yeah yeah and I've definitely felt that being in the bodybuilding industry you you do though like you look at these people who are successful and who are winning the bodybuilding industries and you're like oh, well I've got to be like them then so I understand it not that it's healthy or you know comparison is the thief of joy right I but it's understandable <laughs> and then the last one was body dysmorphic disorder which I just I found so fascinating I I don't know much about body dysmorphic disorder so I definitely learnt a lot Um, and it was just really interesting to learn that it was a visual disorder so there was this gentleman who I felt so sad for him too I've even put on my notes here like he's saying things like I see myself as disgusting and oh man it just makes me so sad for him that that's how he perceives himself um and, you know, he made the statement too, I'm something I don't want to be and it just breaks my heart for him. Um, and, 
Yeah, so they've kind of done a, a few different tests on him, which I yeah just thought were fascinating. So he, they got him to look at people's facial expressions. And when a, a normal person looks at someone's face, they kind of look in a triangle. So they'll look at their two their eyes and then they'll kind of come down to the mouth to assess what emotion they're conveying. Whereas um, someone who has body dysmorphic disorder, where they're looking is very erratic. So they actually struggle slash can't recognize uh, facial expressions. They're just, so he was looking like the eye, at the eyebrows, at the forehead, at the nose, at like just so erratic. They also did a brain scan where they showed different, they, they had three facial expressions and he had to pick the two similar ones and the one that was different. And they were seeing what activity was happening in his brain. And he's, I think it was the amyg- amygdala, 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 however you say that, amygdala, that, is, that part of the brain was not activating at all, which is the part of the brain that recognises um, emotion. So, yeah, it, his brain is wired differently. I just thought it was very, very fascinating, really fascinating. Humans. The other really fascinating thing was uh, they said that body dysmorphic disorder is invisible and a lot of people don't know that they have it and it's often um, diagnosed as other things. And also uh, a lot of people are sort of labelled narcissists if they have body dysmorphic disorder because of the fact that they have this exaggerated view on appearance and Something that was, again, very fascinating was he saw a clinical psychologist uh, and they filmed it, which honestly, fucking props to him for being so open that they allowed him them to film that, where he discovered for the first time in his life after doing a series of tests that he had 0% self-esteem. Like on the test, he, mm. he was categorised as 0% self-esteem and... For depression, anxiety, and stress, he had a 99.9% test score. Percent, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which, again, was it it actually surprised him. He's like, oh, I didn't realise that. But, um, yeah, often, again, it goes undiagnosed because there's these other things that are more common that they get labelled as or diagnosed as. And, yeah, it was just fascinating. Mm, and it, it affected him to the point where he said he became reclusive for three years of his life and escaped in World of Warcraft, which I love gaming, so I'm all for it. But the fact that he felt that he had to escape from reality in his life and his thoughts and his feelings, and he did so for three years, mm. fuck breaks my heart. Mm. Breaks my he heart. Was, he was, like, I, an attractive dude too. And he... I don't know. I think he carried himself really well, like despite what he is feeling and maybe what he was internalizing, he was just incredibly smart, really articulate. And I guess that's why it's like invisible, right? Because I look at him and I'm like, he's handsome, he's smart, he's articulate, he holds himself well, like he cares about his appearance. And then to understand, like to realize that he's actually suffering this way, it it hurts, hurts Mm. bad. But it went on to say that he is continuing to see the psychologist, um, which is awesome. And, you know, hopefully he can get the help that he needs and he can feel how he wants to feel about himself. Something, just another thing to add, something that really fascinated me in in that section was he said 
or sometimes like I'll wash my hair like four times a day because it just doesn't end up looking the way that he wants it to look. And he has this intense fear of looking ugly so much so that he'll change his appearance like all of these different times per day because it just doesn't look the way that he feels like he needs to look. His, his life is literally driven by how he feels about his appearance, which is just incredibly upsetting. And I don't know how he maintained a job if he did they didn't speak about that but or to not be able to just like you know get up get dressed and leave the house which is something that a lot of us probably take for granted in in some cases in comparison I guess or in perspective of this guy yeah that was just it it was just so sad so sad Mm. but it was awesome that he got help and I guess I just want to say if this if something is triggered within you and you're like oh I relate please go and seek help um or even if you're uh, on if you feel like you struggle with your body dissatisfaction to a higher percentage, we encourage you to go and get help because as with this guy, it, it went misdiagnosed and he had no idea and he spent 28 years of his life just feeling like he was fucking ugly and having his image mm-hmm. dictated dictating his whole life. So as always and as per last week's episode where we encouraged you to go and seek assistance, if this kind of triggered anything, please just go and seek help. Yeah, definitely. And one of the really interesting things that, you know, I take away from, let was just quote this saying that everyone suffers from body image issues. We're on a spectrum. And I don't know, it just kind of made so much sense to me. And I think if we're to, my general rundown of the documentary, I think it's going to be very different to, to yours. And I think that's just because, I think number one, where I am in my stage of this journey, personally with my body image and and I guess what I've already worked through and the things that I've implemented to be in the place that I am. Um, yeah, so obviously it's highly opinionated based on my own experiences is whilst I understand the impact that advertising and social media and um, our childhood upbringing has on our body image, I totally understand that. I also think that it is our responsibility to do something about it. We, yes, I think social media advertising is a part of life. Do I think there need to be changes? I do. Do I see those changes slowly happening? Yes, I do. More so with smaller image-based businesses, so like clothing labels, um, you're noticing a lot more plus size or just normal size bodies coming into play than larger corporations. I think larger corporations are still stuck on the thin ideal or perfect body. I think a large portion of what's happening with body image, we have to start taking individual responsibility for. Why do we continue to blame? Why are we blaming social media? Why are we blaming advertising? Like, Does blaming help? I don't think so. Does taking our own responsibility help and then creating a positive message? I think that's what needs to happen. Do I think that he's blaming as well? No, I think he's trying to enlighten. And, you know, one of the first steps was awareness. And I definitely think that this documentary is is creating that awareness. But I just don't want people to sit here and go, well, it's the advertising that's making me feel this way. It's social media that's making me feel this way because it's not. You 
ultimately have to take responsibility for your own thoughts and your feelings and you have to do something about it. And that's my general gist of the documentary, (laughs) which I know is probably going to differ a lot from yours. I agree and at the same time disagree with some of the things that you said. I think that social media and advertising has a huge fucking role to play in our body image or our body dissatisfaction. We are literally constantly fed with like overt and subliminal messages about how we're not good enough unless we look this way. And I think this documentary did a fucking awesome job at, as you said, raising awareness of the impacts of it. And yes, I think we do need to take responsibility and I don't think we need to blame social media and advertising and not take responsibility, but this shit is shoved in our faces every single fucking day, hundreds of times a day. And I think it's not about blaming it, but it's about understanding the implications that it has. Mm. And uh, neither of us can do really anything about it because advertising is not going anywhere. And I think it's to some degree it's getting better and to some degree it's getting worse. The f- like, let's use Kim Kardashian as an example who has the fucking one of the biggest influences in the whole entire world. She is almost entirely responsible, although I don't want to say entirely responsible, but she has a big responsibility in the 800% increase in fucking Brazilian butt lifts because she is now seen as the ideology of beauty standards or the ideal of beauty today. Not to say that that's not going to change because it fucking will. Beauty trends and body ideals come in and out of fashion. I mean, Even in the documentary, they showed different decades of what different bodies the ideal Mm. looked like. So for now, that's what the ideal is. But when by the time like your kids grow up, it'll be something different or Mm. get into their teenage years or 20s or whatever. I feel very passionately about cosmetic surgery because I think that one, social media and advertising has really distorted our perception of feeling okay, looking the way that we are without any alterations. And um, I also think that a lot of the time, and I'm generalizing, people aren't looking at the root cause of their issues. And Mm. I guess as we spoke about, like every single or most examples spoke about the relationship or the correlation between what happened in their childhood and how they feel about their body today. And people are spending $30,000 going to get cosmetic surgery but not getting psychological help. And sure, it might assist in creating a more positive body image when you can alter your physique, but at the end of the day, the root cause of that dissatisfaction, generally speaking, is not being dealt with. And that's my gripe. Yep. Understood. And I have a few things in relation to what you have said too. I, yes, advertising, and I'm going to say it can be thrown in our faces. It can be because I've made, and again, this is where I think awareness is really important and this is what this documentary does because sometimes we can be so unaware that what this advertising is doing to us, right? So I think the awareness is very important. Then I've been able to make the conscious decision. I don't watch the news. I don't read fucking shitty gossip magazines, I curate my social media, um, 
like maybe where I live is helpful as well. Like we live in a small coastal town. I'm not in a big city walking through the city where maybe advertisements is thrown like on billboards and stuff. Um, so I, I still do, even though these corporations are preying on people's insecurities, I still think we have a choice of what we consume. And you don't have to consume that advertising material if you don't want to. Like I actively avoid it because I hate it. I fucking hate it. I hate free TV because you're advertised to. I don't like reading those stupid magazines because they're just stupid. Yeah, but what about ads that you're targeted by on Instagram and Facebook that you have no control over because of a click or a fucking audience capture or whatever that looks like? Or when you go to shops or even labeling on beauty products and and the um, claims that beauty products make. Like it doesn't necessarily have to be TV or magazines or things that you're not actively and consciously looking for. It's that a lot of the time when I say subliminal messaging, it's like the signs, and I'm not talking about you specifically because you have taken control of this shit. Most Mm. people don't and they don't realize that they can. And so when I'm talking about this shit too, I'm also talking about someone who is watching all of the things and looking at all of the things and buying all of the products. And the beauty industry is like a uh, fucking lot, a big industry. I think it was a hundred billion dollars <laughs> or a lot it of was billion billions. Dollars. It yeah. was, I just remember billions. It was fucking big. And yeah, it's it's all of the subliminal messaging that it's it's not necessarily like you're going looking for it. It's the ad that pops up or the Nicole Kidman talking about anti-aging, like even the term anti-aging, like as if aging is a fucking bad thing. The truth of the fact is we're humans and we age. So even the term anti-aging makes us feel like aging is a bad thing. It's just mm. this, it's, it's not necessarily so many thoughts. My brain is just like, <laughs> I can't even talk. <laughs> Let me go back to this. I really want to share this because I, I actually found this fascinating. So right in like the beginning of the episode, the, it was called Chapter One, Beauty Ideal, The Weapon. And he told a story of where our image got displayed from. So there was a story of this guy who saw his reflection in the lake mm. and he liked what he saw so much that he couldn't stop staring at himself and he actually died at the lake. At the lake. At the lake. <laughs> at the lake. Didn't know he went to go kiss. He went to go kiss himself, I think, and drowned. Yeah, yeah. Um, and his name was Narcissus. Narcissus. Nar- Narcissus, which is interesting. Obviously, now we have narcissism and narcissism disorder. And narcissists is a very thrown around term. But from the pond came the mirror, which was invented in 1835, which is less than 200 years ago. And so our brains are actually wired from evolution thousands and thousands of years ago so the way that our brain software works we're actually not wired to deal with our self-image so Mm. our brain is not programmed in a way caveman days they obviously didn't have mirrors our brains aren't wired to deal with our self-image to be able to deal with it essentially yeah 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 and i yeah totally get that and that's why i think like a a lot of the we have a lot of these issues that we have now because if you you can't see yourself. You don't know, right? If you'd never mm. seen your reflection, how would you know what you looked like? Exactly. And that's my, like, one of my main points is, like, 
if we lived in a fucking village in caveman days, we wouldn't know that we didn't have a symmetrical face or that our fucking butt wasn't perky enough or <laughs> our hips weren't wide enough or our fucking tits didn't look the quote-unquote right way. But where did all of these issues arise from? Advertising. Yeah, where, actually- where advertising, social media, social media influencers, who, by the way, their pictures aren't even fucking real. A quote he said was, I didn't write it the down. The fuel, right. social media is the fuel, the fire is within us. Social media is the fuel. And that, yeah, and I guess th- this is where I think I feel a little bit different to you. So while, yes, I can't deny advertising social media, yes, 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 yes. But, I, and again, I'm going to use the word blaming. Like we, you have to take responsibility. Like you, the issue is from within you. And I think this, you agree with this too, is you sort out your shit, sort out your shit in here and the in a psychological issue, you need to sort those out, become aware. But then I also go, well, okay, it's the sliding scale, right? So can you have body image issues or be conscious of your body image but not and want to make changes but it not necessarily affect your quality of life like why do we have to have one extreme or the other why do we have to be living in the tibetan village and having no idea about (laughs) body image or on the other end of the sliding scale having you know taking steroids that are affecting our health or going through you know massive alterations but not necessarily accompanying that the psychological support that we need why can there not be something in the middle? And maybe I feel that's where I fit. I've had lip injections. I've had Botox and it made me feel good. Before that, did it affect the quality of my life? I don't think so. No, I still took photos of myself. I still showed my face. I never edited my body for or my face for social media or used filters or anything like that. But I wanted to get it done and it felt good for me. And that was the extent of it. I haven't had it done for ages because of COVID and I don't sit here and go, oh my God, I've now got wrinkles and I can't, I can move my eyebrows. But I did enjoy how I looked when I had the lip filler and my forehead didn't move. But why? But did not having it done and has not, because I just felt better about myself. I feel I looked better. Why? Incom- like wh- where does, where does the look, like where does that, ideal of looking better come from social media looking at myself it's yeah social media in the fact that I'm constantly looking at myself because I taught not in comparison I don't look at other women this statement isn't fully true because I have had to audit my account because I do look at some social media peoples and it triggers something within me so I've had to not look at their stories um, but it's not like, oh, my God, she has, so I want. It's because i am got my phone in my face doing stories and I'm constantly seeing myself. It's because I'm filming myself, uploading videos and this sort of thing, and I'm constantly seeing myself. Look at myself right now in this podcast. And it's not from a place of comparison. It's just, hey, I'm looking at myself and this is something that I notice about myself that I have the opportunity to change. So I did. It's like why I go to the gym. I train in the gym because I like a muscular physique. I like being leaner than maybe what I am now or after I had kids I'd put on a cup a bit of body fat. 
am I not allowed to alter my body to what I think is desirable and it not necessarily be from an outside influence? I think altering your physique naturally and altering it cosmetically are two different discussions. Yes, agree. And before I say what I'm going to say, I just want to chuck in a little disclaimer that I couldn't care less what other people do to their bodies. As in like, I, mm. I, for you getting Botox and lip filler, like it honestly doesn't affect me at all because it's not my body and that's your decision. And yeah, but I, I, I guess my, and we've discussed this before on the phone and it ended up with a very similar conversation and I'm glad that we're having it on air. Yeah. But my question about, like Botox and filler is sure it's maybe for you. It wasn't that you were comparing yourself to others, but the like you were looking at yourself and altering yourself cosmetically makes you feel better about yourself. But where does the feeling better about yourself based on altering yourself cosmetically derive from? The same reason that I want to alter my body in the gym is I guess it's because I, I can change my body. I, I can go to the gym, I can lift the weights and I can do that. If I want bigger lips, I can't do anything. Like I personally can't do anything about that. So I go, okay, well, if I want bigger lips, what do I do? I go get injectables. If I don't want my forehead in- to move. But where did injectables and like bigger lips making someone feel more confident in their face come from? I find attractive. But so someone decided one day, however long ago, that having big lips was an attractive quality for a female. Someone decided that. I and guess, then yeah. they that created... That mean I don't. But on, on me, I, I can look at someone who has thin lips and not go, oh, my God, you would look so much more attractive if you had bigger lips. Like I don't... There's no judgment and I don't think I judge myself either. I don't go, okay, again, maybe to a degree I do because obviously... I wanted to get lift injectables, so there was some sort of judgment of myself, but not to the point where, yeah, like I can look at someone who has thinner lips and go, "You, you need to have injectables because bigger lips are attractive." That's your lips could be really beautiful on your face. Yeah, except where did the ideology of like you didn't you personally didn't make up the. I would feel better with bigger lips thing. The idea of having bigger lips was created by someone who made a decision 20 years ago or something that injecting your lips with a substance is an attractive quality for a female. Do do you understand what I'm trying to say? I understand what you're trying to say. And then my question is then why is me wanting to change my body in the gym different to me wanting to get bigger lips? Is it, do I want to change my body in the gym because someone 20 years ago said a more muscular physique is attractive or is it just what I find attractive? And I guess that's my, a big part of what my argument is as well. If someone wants, like, why does bigger lips mean society has made me think that? Why, Why can I just not find that attractive? Because some people find big lips unattractive. Some people find thin lips just because we're using this example attractive does it does it have to have come from a place or can it not just be because that's what I think is attractive on me I guess the point I'm trying to get across and this is not like having a go at you it's it's actually generally speaking about the idea of cosmetic surgery that it didn't exist not that long ago 
and I know what you're saying about like the comparison between altering your physique in the gym and getting a cosmetic enhancement, but I guess what, what my the point that I'm trying to get across, generally speaking, to our audience about cosmetic surgery is that it was created some stage for the purposes of enhancing our enhancing. I don't even know if that's the right fucking word. Enhancing our beauty, for lack of a better word. But why? Like, I understand that, you know, it makes you feel better, but but because it's it's was this idea created somewhere that we need to look at our lips and say they're not... Do, do you know what I mean? I understand what you're saying, and I think that's where it comes... For me, again, it comes on that sliding scale. Like, like why does there have to be an ulterior motive or an outside motive for why someone wants to get... Again, we'll just use lip injectables as an example... Like, why does it have to be because of beauty ideals? Like, why can't what it be just placed in the there? middle? Because I feel better with having lip injectables in my upper lip and not having my eyebrows move because I personally like the look of a nice, like, wrinkle-free forehead. Not completely, but and that's, that's it. Full stop. I mean, I I don't know if we're ever going to, like, meet a middle ground on this topic. (laughs) Probably probably not. Um, Probably not. (laughs) I just, I, my, my opinion is that, like, I fully understand and I am all for you and everyone, like, doing what makes them feel good. I'm just, in discussion of body dissatisfaction, the reason that we even have these points and contentions about our body that we get dissatisfied with is because there was some ideology created at some stage that whether we're aware or not, and this is generally speaking, has created this idea that to feel better or to feel more confident, we have to alter our physical appearance. And I just really want people to work on the fucking inside. And I know that you have, Mm. and I know that you still feel that way. And that's, again, like, this is nothing against you. Like, you're beautiful of what you look like (laughs) but I just yeah I just in in all of this body dissatisfaction shit like this entire documentary was about where this has come from and the extremes that people go to and yeah that's just where I stand yeah and I guess the difference for me would be someone making like a conscious and possibly what I would consider healthy decision around changing or altering their appearance to someone like um, Tara Jane who was the human the human Barbie doll um, case study whereas that's definitely on the other end of the spectrum (laughs) and I think it for me it just comes down to awareness and making conscious decisions about what you want to do and where those decisions are coming from and I understand your point in asking but where is this coming from where is this coming from and that's something that I did ask myself and it's like getting lip fillers was something that like it was not like a just a whim decision like I thought about this I sat down and I thought about okay so where is this coming from like do I have this major body dissatisfaction is it coming from childhood trauma and me my perfectionism and so on and so forth and I came to the, the, okay, maybe there were parts of those things that played a role, but the decision that I made was ultimately a conscious one to get this done. It wasn't, hi, I have this pain and this trauma and I want to try and compensate by 
getting these injectables. It was, I understand these things and I'm still going to make a conscious decision to do that. And it made me feel better. Whereas I think there's, and that's why I'm talking about this sliding scale. I do think that it can, it, it can fit in your life in a healthy way. Then I think there are definitely extremes and external influences, which I don't think is air quote healthy. And the, the Tara Jane chick, the human Barbie doll was definitely one of them. She changed her physique to the extreme. And I don't know, a part of me, I don't think she is well mentally. I don't think they actually talked about kind of any maybe mental illness or disorders in relation to her. Um, but I don't know, there's one quote that she said that I'm like, I get it. She's like, for me, it's a form of expression and that's empowering. And I was like, I get that. I understand it. I understand. And I guess that's why, you know, training in the gym, doing my hair, how I want to do it. Like, you know, the clothes that you wear, they're all a form of expression. Can some people take that more to the extreme? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. She... I guess for the listener, if you haven't watched it, um, her image was incredibly extreme. She had, what did she say? She's got 1050cc boobs, but she mm. said she's she's nearly there. So she's literally trying to attain the Barbie doll image. And she, despite having spent literally tens of thousands of dollars on her image and 12 years quote unquote, perfecting her Instagram filter in real life. Um, she said she's nearly there, meaning that she doesn't feel satisfied still after doing all of the work that she's done and she wants to get bigger boobs. She said she wants 12 to 1500 cc's and she's got glute implants, 410 mils. I don't know what that means, how much that is, but she had these glute implants and she gets in the tanning bed every day and her lips are very large <laughs> um yeah <laughs> oh, a cheek, and, cheek and probably cheek and chin fillers like yeah and she still wants to get a full facelift and bring bring the corner her, of her eyes up to get some like cat eye look a, a statement that he said somewhere and i've written it somewhere i have a lot of fucking notes for this episode but a statement that he said somewhere was when is enough enough? And, and often when you get started, you sort of fall down this slippery slope of never feeling like you're ha you have attained the perfect ideal image. And so once you start with cosmetic surgery, a lot of people continue and continue and continue. And, and I guess she's a prime example of that being the case because, yeah, she has spent 12 years doing this and they showed a picture of her 12 years ago and she literally looks like an entirely different human body dysmorphia so they did speak about her having body dysmorphia yeah and it says it's an excessive focus on perceived flaws so mm. yeah even though she's done all this work she still doesn't feel like she's quote unquote there whatever there looks like to her there yet and so she looks in the mirror and she feels unhappy which is really really sad yeah i put that too feel I feel sad looking at her is a note that I made and it was more just from the perspective that she just wasn't she'd had all this stuff done and she just still wasn't satisfied and mm -hmm. to me I'm like cool so she has a lot of she probably yeah she's if she has body dysphoria yeah she has a psychological issue and she would need professional help most likely and yeah 
but if she's happy, I don't, I don't know. I, it's just a two-edged sword, right? Because she's actually not happy because she's continuing to get this work done. But if getting that work done is making her happy, I don't know. I don't know. It's, I'm not her. But it's, it's not, though, because she's not, like, does happiness equal satisfied? She's not satisfied with her image still. I don't know. Happiness is on a sliding scale as well, is it? Like, are you ever fully satisfied in life? I mean, after a good meal. But then the truth is I could probably eat more of it. Like, it was so good. So I don't know. I don't know. That's maybe a question for another <laughs> another episode. But, yeah, I just – that was one one just – again, go watch these. They're, it's fascinating just seeing these different peoples and the different things that they're all going through. Just because I'm here on my notes, they interviewed a guy called Dr. Ben Buchanan, who was a clinical psychologist, and he ended up being the person that the guy with body dysmorphic disorder spoke to at the end. Um, and he said that our brains are genetically a white, genetically wired to be attracted to beauty, and even so much so as research showing that if you are more attractive, you will get a better paying job. And there was a bunch of other different stats that I didn't write down, but I guess it's just raises the argument of like can you ever get a get away from it like if our brains are wired to be attracted to beauty and social media and advertising like the words I was going to use is like runs our life I don't mean that as in like it runs our life but as in it's always going to be there and, and it's going to get greater and bigger yeah it's almost like we can't win unless you take control of it yourself which is a very important point um, and something else that I'd written down is that the advertising industry s- states or like subliminally states that beauty equals success and happiness and so that's embedded into our psyche that in order to be successful or happy we have to look beautiful and I guess that ties in like the whole weight loss argument of like a lot of people want to lose weight because they think it's going to make them happy and they think it's going to make them beautiful which will ultimately make them feel successful the what was the quote about how we're wired to seek beauty it's a survival and it's about procreation like i i think i mentioned this in one of the other podcasts like humans are still incredibly primal beings living Mm. in a modern world and yes Mm. advertising is using these things to their advantage to get what they want which is to make money essentially but we, when we look at a person, it, it is about are they going to help me survive and can I create other humans that aren't going to have genetic issues? That's essentially what it comes down to. Mm. And in relation to your a statement about beauty, I don't know, the first thing that came to my head is like beauty for me anyway, beauty is really in the eye of the beholder. And I think as much as social media and advertising and that can like sway what people think are beautiful. Like I still have my ideas of what beautiful is and it definitely isn't Kimmy K. Like, well, I can, I can look at her and go, okay, yeah, she's a beautiful woman because she's well-kempt. Do I necessarily find her body beautiful? No, I think it looks really fake. But there are other people who think she's like the bee's knees. Everyone has a different perception of what beauty is. True. And I do think some things have to change. Like, and I guess that's what I'm, I aim to do anyway, is help people just accept where they are, but understand if they want to make the changes as they can, if it's coming from a place of having been 
healed or healing? Mm. I guess my issue with advertising is that it profits off of people's insecurities and Mm. yeah it's just like this constant flow of you're not enough like it triggers people's not enoughness which then triggers them to take action which then triggers them to buy the product or do the thing or change the thing when again to go back to my point what's underneath all of that and I think it's really important to be aware of all of this Mm. shit happening because again most people aren't aware that all this shit that they're seeing is triggering all of this shit for them, which is causing them to take action by buying the product or doing the thing or whatever. So yeah, it is your responsibility and you need to be aware that these billion dollar fucking industries are literally profiting off telling you that you're not pretty enough or not aging gracefully or not beautiful, whatever that looks like. And what about the cosmetic surgery? So the 24-year-old girl who had the liposuction and got the fat transfers because I think we're going to have different, slightly different views on this one as well. Yeah. So Jade. Uh, Jade, this case study, it. her name was Jade. She was 24. She was a swinger, her and her partner. Um, and he was actually featured on the show too. He got a hair transplant and they were talking, which we won't discuss just because we've got 1% of male audience. Um, <laughs> but he got a hair transplant because his insecurity was his balding head. But yeah, she felt uncomfortable in her body or lacked confidence in her body and so they took fat they liposuctioned her fat from her stomach and her love handles and put it in her boobies i think she talked a little bit about her childhood as well i'm just trying to remember i actually didn't write any notes on that but was there anything significant that she mentioned about her childhood yeah 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 so she said in her childhood yeah that she was a bigger girl, not in terms of like weight bigger, but she was taller. And so she always felt bigger. And her mom, there was a lot of messaging from her mom about having big bones mm. and being bigger. Mm, and then right. when she sort of began the puberty shit at like 12-ish, a lot of her friends had bigger boobs and she felt less feminine and compared her boobs and why she didn't have those boobs. And she said that she has always like a constant thought for her is her dissatisfaction with her body. And so she decided to go and get this fat transfer. Now, again, as you said, I think we're going to have different opinions on this. What's your opinion? My opinion is I feel sad for her that growing up, there were certain things said about her body. And I can understand that that's probably a major part of the root cause of why she felt dissatisfied with her body do I think that there are other ways if she wanted to lose body fat if she wanted to change her physique are there other ways other than surgery that that can be done yes did she feel that surgery was a tool in helping achieve that yes and if she wants bigger boobs you have to have surgery because there's nothing else you can do and I and I guess for me I'll talk about that sliding scale again when a person is making a decision to alter their body, where would she fit on that sliding scale? I think she was aware of the triggers, maybe not necessarily how much they had imp- impacted her to make the decisions that she's making in relation to surgery, but she was aware and she's made a conscious decision to have this surgery done. I say go her. If it's if it's going to make her feel better and it's going to give her what she wants from life and it's going to make her feel better about herself, then I'm all for it. What are your opinions? I would, 
I would be curious to revisit these people a year down the track and see if that has resolved their body image dissatisfaction. Which it probably hasn't because she still has those beliefs. And do I still think that you need to work on those things? Yes, I do. But if getting the surgery, she can at least look at herself and maybe be neutral or actually be happy with how she looks. Maybe then she doesn't need to do anything else. Maybe like maybe then she is satisfied. Maybe then she is happy. Is it a yes, is it a shame that she's had to have surgery to result in that? Possibly. Is it a shame that she, you know, grew up with people saying these things which made her look at her body a different way? Yeah. But if she can get surgery and then look at herself and go, wow, this is what I wanted and she can live her life being mostly happy, then cool. But like it would be interesting to go back and see where she's at. And if the surgery, like I don't know much about um, liposuction because I think it removes some fat cells but not all of them. So you can obviously still gain weight again. Like just because you've had liposuction doesn't mean you can't gain weight. So that's all whole lifestyle factor thing. There's like a lot that doesn't get taken into consideration with these surgeries, definitely, that I think probably needs to be taken into consideration prior to surgery. But, yeah, I don't know. I guess that's a big part of my argument. Like if – I'll use me with the lip fillers again. I, yeah, happy to admit I was obviously dissatisfied with my lips if I went to the point of getting filler, but then I got filler and I'd be like, cool, like great. And it was just, I don't know, dissatisfied. I don't know. It's just, it's so hard. No, it's hard. It's hard to say. I have two things I want to say. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah, go for it. First of all, I believe this about bariatric surgery as well. I believe this about all cosmetic surgery, actually. No, that's not true. Not all cosmetic surgery. I feel like transgender people are like a different discussion because that's about literally altering their, that comes from like an identity crisis, not crisis, identity alteration place. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm trying to be respectful of the transgender community and I just don't have the correct words. So If you are a transgender person, please know that I'm not trying to be offensive. I'm just trying to get the words right. Maybe we should interview a transgender person so that we can learn more or study more. Yeah, I think um, think that would be super cool. Yeah, so can we just take the transgender community out of this conversation for one second? In the bariatric surgery, cosmetic surgery, I personally feel that there needs to be, my opinion, fucking, I could be wrong. I'm, I'm, I'm wrong a lot. But I just feel like there needs to be some form of psychological discussion mm. before you go through with a traumatic, like surgery is traumatic to the body, mm. a traumatic surgery that costs a fuck ton of money that might not actually resolve the issues that you have. And as we've said, a lot of the struggles that these people are facing, it stems from childhood. And do I think that going to a psychologist for fucking 10 sessions before you decide to do this is a positive thing? Yes. If you've, again, where does the dissatisfaction stem from? It doesn't just, it's not just, you didn't just like, you weren't born with these issues. You weren't born with dissatisfaction. You grew up in an environment that influenced your opinions. You then were witness to different social media advertising um, experiences, humans' opinions, that influenced your dissatisfaction. The second thing is the surgery shit. So he said that surgery isn't 
un- cosmetic surgery is an unregulated industry. And the way that they were mm. fucked made me feel sick. How they mm. just fucking like chopped through their fucking skin with a fucking saw. I literally felt like I was going to vomit several times watch. And I had to, as we said, we had to like cover it. <laughs> but so doctors, GPs have to go to med school for six years. Surgeons, as in like surgery in a hospital, have to go to med school for 12 years. But cosmetic surgery is unregulated and you can call yourself a surgeon without any legal training. And the surgeon called himself a shapeshifter, which honestly just did not fucking sit well with me at all. But my question is, is putting fat from one area to another area in your body long-term a good thing? Question mark. Don't know because it hasn't been around for long long enough for us to know. And like, we'll get into BBLs in a second, but like the way they left wounds opened and like, Mm. like drained mm. was, the shit out was, like it was confronting and yeah, <laughs> yeah. seeing them seeing them do the liposuction and how aggressive it was it did it it was very very unsettling <laughs> very yeah, unsettling. so yeah i just again like she's she's made a change she's made a conscious decision however Again, like to come back to the point that I'm going to keep coming back to several hundred times in this episode is like there's a reason that she feels dissatisfied with her body and who's to say that that the changes that she's chosen to make surgically will be the resolution to her dissatisfaction. Well, you, well, you don't know, but whatever it is, I guess is a question that I can ask. What if she does get that surgery and looks at herself and is like, cool, I'm happy now. I'm so confident I can live the life that I want to live, everything that was holding me back having this surgery has been life-changing for me and I have so much confidence and I can be free now because that is another side of the equation like there's and if we talk about breast augmentation for example because that's something that I've been considering um and we had a little bit of a chat about this before is you know I had these really nice full voluminous perky breasts I've had two kids I my boobs are just went massive and now they've shrunk right down and they're very sacky um cool I got to breastfeed my kids I can sit here and I can be so appreciative of what my breasts have done and I am the fact that I could create milk and feed my kids just blows my mind like it's so cool but I miss having my like my breasts were a big part and are a big part of my sexuality as well like my breasts were my go-to thing. I would feel so confident in ripping my top off, being like, ooh, come and get me. Whereas now I'm like, <laughs> now I'm like, I like I have to have the lights off if I'm to be topless. I'm work, I am still working on it though. Like it's something that I want to improve because I do just want to be comfortable and I'm working on the accepting process. Um, or I would struggle to take my top off. I would struggle who have my husband touch my breasts. So there's like a lot there for me. Um, so there was a point where I was considering getting either a lift or implants. So I've gone and I've done my research asking a lot of people who have had them done and a lot of them were mums in similar situations to me and they were just saying the same thing. Like I was super self-conscious or I just didn't like how my breasts look and I was, you know, really insecure. I didn't wear what I wanted to wear. I couldn't be the person that I wanted to be. And I've had this breast augmentation and it's 
like I feel so confident. I feel like I can be the person that I want. I can express my sexuality how I want. Like, is that a negative thing? If having that breast augmentation has made them, allowed them to be the person that they really want to be, I don't see that as a bad thing. I I can totally see where you're coming from. I have never experienced that personally. And I'm only coming again from like a very limited experience of my own personal experience. And of course, also speaking with and helping a lot of women with their body image. But um, I I don't know. It's it's a a very nuanced conversation because, Mm. yes, the cosmetic surgery could be a very positive thing could make someone feel entirely confident could entirely change their life absolutely i'm i'm actually not saying never get it and it shouldn't exist i am saying though that i think there needs to be a lot more understanding of the root cause of the reasoning why people want to get this the post mum post breastfeeding conversation i have no i i have no um opinion on because I've never been there and I can't have an opinion on it because I've never experienced it. I will say though, breast implant illness is legit and maybe go for a lift Mm. on an implant. (laughs) Yeah. I couldn't, I've, I couldn't do it. I couldn't get implants. It just doesn't, that doesn't just align with my values. Um, A lift is something, yeah, it's something that I would consider, but then again, I'm like, surgery is just not my jam. Like, so again, this is like a big decision that if I did end up taking that route, it's something that I've highly considered. Um, and at the moment, yeah, it's not on the forefront of my mind. There are other things that are more important. And I guess maybe because I am going through that process of acceptance too, like considering surgery was a part of that process. Um, again, I don't know what the end result is going to be. Maybe I will, maybe I won't. Yeah, I mean, I think the post-baby body struggles that women face is fucking huge because you're in, everything changes, everything shifts and moves south, as my mum uses the term. <laughs> and, and I have no place to have any point of conversation in that realm just because I've never experienced it. And I don't know what it's like. Yeah. But I can... What about... Yeah. I was going to... I can fully see how women struggle post-baby and there's this pressure to get back to your pre-baby body Mm. and not have a fucking mum tum or stretch marks or saggy titties and yeah definitely plays a big impact and I've uh, yeah I don't know maybe we can do a whole topic on this because I've definitely shared my postpartum journey and a big part of what I share is the body acceptance postpartum but also understanding that you if you want to make changes within your body, you have the power to do so. It's just expectation versus reality. And also a big part of postpartum is acceptance. Definitely that has to play because your body has changed. Reality is your body's changed and there's some things that are just out of your control. Mm. But there's also things that you can do. But I think that I think that's another conversation. All right. Do you want to speak about the 72-year-old or do we yeah. come to speak about that? Uh, I just think like I'm, again, I'm, she, this 72-year-old woman, um, she got facelift. There were some things that she said that I'm like, that that's really sad. I'm just trying to find my notes here. She said that there's, she feels that there's no place in society mm. for old people. That's it. Yeah, and that is what I felt was really sad that, you know, and that was totally centred around beauty. Like it must have been that comment because my train of thought is, 
there's definitely a place in society for older women. Like that just blows my mind. Like the wisdom that our older, the generations before us have that they can pass down. Like there's definitely a place for that in society. And it did make me feel sad that she felt that it was her image based. That's what made me feel sad. She also made a comment saying my face doesn't match what I feel inside which again that's a comment that I can totally understand if she you know maybe she she hasn't aged the way that she want has wanted maybe she does feel more youthful and her looks don't represent that and again I don't see an issue with someone getting a facelift surgery if it's going to make them feel the way that they want to feel does it take away the issue that she feels that there's no place for older women in society no do I think she needs to check herself on that statement yes but she got the surgery she feels better like mm. for me that's a full stop like I don't like she she got asked the question would you get any more and she didn't have an answer for that she was like mm. but I, I don't know but talking him talking to her I didn't feel again talking about that sliding scale I felt she was probably in the middle she made conscious decisions and she sounded like she was mostly satisfied with where she was Kate Pertle was giving the look, <laughs> the I have a different opinion look. <laughs> I've got some few things that I want to say on that. <laughs> I agree. And they checked in with her two months later and she says she feels better and more confident. And as you said, her inside munches her outside. And so obviously that's a really fucking positive outcome that she facelifts are fucking gross by the way again this part of the thing was gross they like chop your head open and pull your skin back and uh, but what's wrong with like i guess again like all of these anti-aging products as if as if aging is a bad thing but we're fucking humans our skin loses elasticity as we get older shit goes south again to quote louise purdle (laughs) and Botox has made us feel like wrinkles are a bad thing or they're ugly or you're not beautiful if you have wrinkles but she was 72 like she's lived Mm. she's lived for 70 years 72 years and her commentary about yeah not feeling like there's place for older women and uh, my question is, like, who's she fucking comparing to? Like, is she comparing to other 72-year-olds or is she comparing to fucking 30-year-olds who don't have wrinkles yet? Or is she comparing to these be- beautiful, flawless women that are touched up on magazines whose skin doesn't even fucking look like that? Like, who is who? where does she get the idea that she can't look that way or that she's not beautiful looking that way? Could she just be comparing herself to a younger version of herself? Potentially, but she's not the younger version of herself. She's 72. But she doesn't feel 72. She feels, based on what she said, she feels younger. She doesn't. Her, she felt that her 72-year-old face didn't match what she was feeling within. So, again, does it have to be coming from an external place? Can she just not feel how she wants to feel and she wants to make a change? <laughs> sure. I'm the devil's gen- advocate, yeah. But generally speaking, <laughs> like, the, sec- the section was on fighting ageing. That was the fucking title. Yeah. So I guess I'm speaking, yeah, sure. Like, again, it's, it's a very positive thing that when she got the facelift, she felt better. That's a really positive outcome, and I'm really fucking happy for her. However, speaking generally about this fighting ageing thing, like, what's wrong with having wrinkles? Like, beauty standards, advertising, Photoshop, 
Botox has made us feel that aging is a bad thing and that wrinkles equal ugly. <laughs> like you got Botox because you didn't want to have wrinkles on your face. It like it exists. And all these yeah, but, but is it? Images. But is it because I think that wrinkles are ugly? I don't know. See, I look at I can look at other people who have, who have wrinkles, and I don't like hone in on them and go, "Oh my god, you've got wrinkles." That means you're old and you're ugly. Like I, I don't know. It's just it's so hard for me. But, but yeah, I got Botox because. I didn't want wrinkles on my forehead, but that doesn't mean I think wrinkles are ugly. Like it doesn't mean that I don't think that the aging process is beautiful. I just think everyone can have a choice. Like why are we so driven by society? Like why is it society? Why can't people just have individual perceptions outside of what advertising social media society is saying? Because everyone thinks different things are beautiful. Everyone thinks different things are beautiful. Some people think people in a larger body or fat people are ugly or they're unattracted to fatter people. But there are some people who fucking froth off that shit. There are some people who find a woman's more muscular feet physique disgusting and don't think it's womanly enough. But there are other people who find strong, muscular women fucking hot and want to bang it. Like, I don't think skinny, overly skinny is attractive, but there are other people who think skinny is so fucking hot. Like, I, I don't know. Is it, is it all advertising and society and social media or do we just have different perceptions of what we think beautiful is? Where did not having wrinkles <laughs> on your face as an idea come from though? Uh, to be honest, probably my mum because she's – constantly talked about aging and wanting a facelift and for a and long time she would uh, that I don't know that I'm not sure where that's come from for her so when you talk about like individual perceptions you've been influenced by another person uh, to a to a degree like would I get a facelift I, I probably wouldn't because I wouldn't want to do the surgery like I'll do anything to avoid surgery yeah like it's just gross do I think it's sad that my mum feels that way about or maybe felt that way about herself yes do I want to be like my mum in that sense no do I think it's in relation like do I think me getting Botox stemmed from that in particular I don't think so but it might have had like a percentage of influence because you grew up with potentially and I'm making an assumption here and I shouldn't make an assumption so question rather than assumption yeah your mum make commentary about like her wrinkles and like vo vocalize the fact that she wanted a facelift because she was it, dissatisfied yeah. with her wrinkles well she didn't comment on wrinkles exactly it was more just the facelift and her skin kind of drooping down that was that's her main concern <laughs> but i think oh, that yeah. yeah but i think that yeah genetics but i think that's a lot to do with how she looks after herself, to be honest, and possibly being a little bit overweight and not very physically active. Like, I think that is more to do with it than anything, like, genetically. But I don't know. What was your question? I'm just laughing because I just find it so great that we have such differing opinions on this. And I don't know, to go back to you, made a comment just before that why does it have to be the impact of social media or advertising? Why can't it be your personal perception? And it is your personal perception, but based on what you've grown up with, been influenced by, been impacted by, seen. Like, again, you can have self-awareness and you can have conscious 
practices with your social media, but fucking the, even the terminology that they use, the, the anti-aging thing, the fact that images are retouched, like if we're talking about diversifying our feed, we should be mm-hmm. diversifying our feed also to include women who are aging gracefully and do have wrinkles to normalize the fact that women having wrinkles is normal and no i I can totally agree with that statement and and then i guess another thing that comes to my mind is then i guess i'm i'm trying to take away i understand that the externals have an impact 100 percent. but then i also go okay but then why are so many different people attracted to different things how do you explain that how do you explain different people being attracted to different things like, is that really sometimes, yes, it probably is those external things, um, like like a big part of that, um, the health at every size was that fat phobic is very, like, it's what you're taught as a kid. And, uh, like, yeah, I probably, like, I agree with that statement, whether that's from the household or from what you hear from social media or all that sort of thing. But how do you explain people being attracted to all different types of features, people, body types? We're not like, talking about how- attraction to others. We're talking about attract- like dissatisfaction or satisfaction with your own image. Yes. And I, I guess for me, when I think about my own image, I think about it's because of it's what I'm attracted to. So then there is influence from external things because what you're attracted to is what you deem, I don't know, quote unquote, beautiful. And then you want to replicate those aspects on yourself, question mark? Yes. But I also find a lot of different things beautiful. Like it's, it's yeah, it's a difficult thing for me to try and articulate. Like just because I don't want to be overweight doesn't mean that I don't think overweight people are ugly. I just don't find that attractive on myself. I don't feel comfortable in my body being overweight. I prefer a more muscular athletic physique. Is that, am I dissatisfied in my body when I do carry more body fat? Yes. But is that because society and advertising advertising is saying that I can't be happy in a big body or is it just because I feel so much better about myself when I'm in a more athletic physique? For me, it's the latter. It's not an easy conversation. That's like, it's just so many, yeah, it's just really is so nuanced, hey? Like it's not, there's no yeah. straightforward answer to this. There's no, no. straightforward answer. And I, I think, well, <laughs> <laughs> I'm finding it really hard to articulate in my mind to verbalize what I want to say, but I appreciate that point and I totally agree that you made the point that there are external influences, however, there are also like internal preferences. And I think both Mm. of those need to be considered in this conversation. But I also think that for a lot of people, their internal preferences are influenced by external things, childhood, Mm. what they're open to, witness to, etc. Yeah, and I, I do think it comes down to the whole point of this documentary, which is awareness, raising mm. the awareness within oneself. And I know that I personally feel better in a more athletic body and, it, and it's not necessary because how I look, yes, is definitely a part of it, but it's more because of the person that I'm being. It means and that person is aligning with my values and that's 
why I feel better in that type of body. Partly because of how it looks, partly because of how I feel. Boom. Mm. All right, next one. <laughs> Brazilian butt list. Brazilian butt list. <laughs> oh, here we go again. Okay, this is something that I think we can both agree on. I'm like, because for me, I'm like, this is, if you want to build booty, build booty. You can. You can build a booty. It just takes a fucking long time. And I think cosmetic surgery, and he even made the point at some place in this documentary mm. that, it enhances instant gratification. What might take you a year in the yep. gym to build, you can get in a few hours for 30 grand in a fucking on a surgery table. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something that I noted down to is the instant gratification and people want it now. And I guess that's just not a value that I align with. I'm happy to work hard for the things that I can change. Brazilian butt lift was exploded with, has exploded with Kimmy K. Good on you, Kimmy K. Yeah, it's the fastest growing cosmetic surgery in the world at the moment and both men and women. So as we touched on a little bit in our the longest introduction we've ever done ever, <laughs> um, which was basically just pilot episode, um, there was this guy who chose not to be um, shown. He chose to remain Identified. anonymous. Yeah, he was wearing a, a Donald Trump mask. It was pretty funny. Um, and the Brazilian butt surgery for men is to attain the quote unquote sports illustrated look, which he referred to as a soccer butt, which basically just means like a perky butt as if you've played a shit ton of sport. Um, so found that really interesting. And again, it makes sense, but I just don't speak to men about this shit very often at all. And so it was Surprising, but then when I thought about it, unsurprising because, of course, both men and women and trans them, humans, is that term? I don't know. Binary? I'm very naive to a lot of All that. genders, all of them that exist, <laughs> yep. um, struggle with body dissatisfaction. And so, yeah, I just it's important to touch on, obviously, as I said before, our audience is literally 1% males, and I think that's probably just your husband that listens, so... Um, <laughs> it's it's unimportant, but it is important because ever women heterosexual heterosexual couples have men in their lives, partners, husbands, boyfriends, whatever, who might struggle with this shit too. So worth having conversation with your man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, you know, based on the conversations that we've had, I'm mostly all for cosmetic surgery if it's going to make you feel awesome but I think a lot of my perspective and this is just personal opinion is for me it's more based on stuff that you have no control over like I can't I, I can control my body fat and I can control muscle building so I just I don't understand the whole Brazilian butt lift thing or implants in your butt that I just I don't get personal mm. opinion if you've had Sorry. it done like, cool yeah there's actually a really prime example that I have of this. There was a Married at First Sight participant a couple of years ago who very openly documented her Brazilian butt lift journey on her social media. And I think two different things about this. One, it was really cool that she was so open about it so that she didn't just give off this image that that's what she looks like, which is pretty prominent on social media, that there's all this fake imagery and people are trying to attain an image that's actually entirely unattainable because it's fake. So I think it was awesome that she documented it. However, she 
used to be a personal trainer. She had done bikini building comps in the past. She had entire knowledge that she could build that herself. However, she chose to get this surgery and her idol is Kim K, unsurprising. And she did a Q&A and I was just fascinated. I was like watching it at the time because it fascinated me. And I, I guess I really try to have an open mind and I try to understand why people do what they do. And I actually think that that's important to say because I've been pretty like opinionated on this episode um, about my opinions, but I, I, it's, it's very fascinating and I always try to understand reasoning. Anyway, on her Q&A, she said that her reasoning was that it would make her feel more confident and love her body more. And again, I think two things. If that's really what it's going to take, then mm. fucking more power to you. However, why? Why do you feel like that's going to make you feel more confident? And, and, and you know, she's an influencer, so her whole entire brand is about her image. And so she is almost profiting off having that surgery and looking more aesthetically pleasing. But again, she was a personal trainer and she'd built a butt before. So she was like fully aware that she could have done that, but she chose to save up her money and spend 30 grand on getting the surgery and the fucking recovery looked heinous. Mm. And, but yeah, now she says that she's really happy with her body and she feels really confident. So like good for her. Yeah. I don't know. The more that I'm kind of talking about this, the more that I'm like, Look, does it really depend on the individual? Like, well, obviously it does. And, you know, people's values, obviously, as well. And, like, yeah, maybe I'm even going to, after hearing that story, retract that statement about Brazilian butt lifts, although I don't agree with them. Again, if they make someone feel amazing and that's just what they wanted to feel how they want to feel, who are we to say that you can't get it done? But then on the flip side, I'm like, there are a lot of people who really struggle with body dissatisfaction and maybe these are more the people that we're trying to reach. Also, we're not saying anyone can't do anything, just FYI to the audience. We're not saying, Sorry? yeah, just because we think this doesn't mean you can't fucking do whatever you want. Like your life, you do you, boo. I think at least for me, the point that I'm trying to raise in this discussion is not doing it based on influences or childhood trauma or anything that exists that, that you can't heal internally first. Yeah. And when I got my lips and Botox done, again, like I said, it was something that I really thought about. And especially because I was so conscious of how I presented myself to my audience and I understood the impact potential of me getting this done and, and the message that it could potentially send to my audience as well. And, you know, and I talked about that and I expressed that, you know, that was definitely a concern of mine and it was, you know, a hard decision within myself because of where my values lie in terms of like loving yourself and so on and so forth and, you know, accepting for who you are and what you are. Um, yeah, and I had a real, yeah, it was a, a big internal battle because of what my values are, plus just what I wanted to do for myself um, and understanding the impact that that could potentially have on my audience as well, which is something that I talked to them about. You know, it wasn't from a place of not liking myself. I think that's, it wasn't a place of not liking myself. It was just from a place of wanting to enhance what I had. And I don't know, like makeup. Why do some people put makeup on? For me, some people do it to cover and to hide. And I feel that that isn't necessarily the right intention. And yes, you've got 
maybe stuff you need to work on. But I wear makeup because I want to feel good about myself. When I put makeup on, it's like a self-care process as well. Um, and I like to enhance the features that I have, you know, make my eyebrows a little bit darker, put my mascara on because that's what makes me feel good. And I, yeah, I still stand by there being, I think, a difference in how you're approaching it. I remember when you talked about that on your Instagram and I loved that you had the awareness of the impact that it could have on your audience. Mm. I think a lot of these influencers don't have that awareness and I when I speak of influencers I speak of people with like really large audiences with really like women young women or just women in general and I guess to reuse that Brazilian butt lift girl's story like she was saying you know this is my opinion but I still think there's an underlying tone of well if you didn't like your body the way that it was mm-hmm. yes agree. and, and and I think you look skinny, pretty, beautiful, insert adjective, then it impacts how you feel about your own body. And the term influencer means you have influence on people's perceptions of themselves. Yes, the ownership is on the individual to take responsibility of that perception of themselves. However, that doesn't detract the fact that young women or women in general idolise these influencers based on beauty standards and them looking really fucking pretty and beautiful and perfect and have the perfect beauty standard that exists right now. Um, And so even though people can say, and I'm referring to the Brazilian butt lift person here when I say this, FYI, even though she can say, you know, I did this for me and I, I did this to make myself feel better, I still think there's an implication on the fact that you have influence over other women and the message that you're inadvertently sharing is that I wasn't in that adjective again, like beautiful enough, pretty enough, the beauty standard, whatever. And so I went to make this change. Yeah. And I can see how that can have. Yeah. There's there's a whole conversation about. Sorry. Definitely. (laughs) Definitely is. And that's happened to me recently with uh, an influencer or someone that I followed who was quite flat chested and they and that's something that I idolized her for is because she was this person in the fitness industry and she hadn't augmented her body and she was accepting of her body. And then she's gone and got breast implants. And Can I was like, who it is? oh. And I'll cut no, it out. Later. <laughs> I'm, I'm editing this one, you goose. This oh. is my edit. <laughs> and she's gone and got a breast augmentation and it did. It made me question, oh, I small breaths not attractive but I all like but so yes I understand that but it also had to check myself and be like cool so why is that affecting and impacting me what is that triggering in me and we all know I've talked about it I've got some dissatisfaction with my breast so yes I totally understand that and I am such really it was really conscious self-conscious of that when I was changing my body I don't know but then it just brings me back to the other argument like why am I allowed to change my body in the gym and that's accepted why can I want to yeah that's that's just the big is it because it's cosmetic surgery I don't know is it because it's Botox because I am still changing my body by training in the gym it's just not instant I am still changing my body because I'm on a diet right now and I want to lose body fat and that's accepted for the most part Mm. but I, I can't I I can't get this is just me blanket statement I can't get 
lip filler, Botox, cosmetic surgery. Uh, and why is that different, I guess, is what I'm saying. You can get it. You can do whatever you want. But <laughs> it's a, it's a really know, good just, point. And it's a, it's a great point because you're right. When you go to the gym, I think there's other health benefits that come into play when we're talking about going to the gym. There are. There definitely at the end are. of the day, you are intentionally altering your physique. Correct. You're, alter- you're intentionally altering your body composition over time. Someone who gets cosmetic surgery is intentionally altering their body, full stop. I guess my stance on why they're different is I think that the cosmetic surgery side of the argument detracts the fact that natural beauty is fucking great. I think it's just, it, for me, it depends on the place that it comes from. That's, I guess, ultimately what I'm saying. If it's coming from a place, I don't know, it's so fucking hard, hey. It's seriously so hard. Because I go, I'm changing my body because I'm dissatisfied with it. But is it, am I dissatisfied with it to the point that it's affecting my life and my quality of life? Well, no, not the process, but being in a body that I was uncomfortable with was affecting my quality of life. Didn't feel good about myself when I looked at myself. I didn't feel comfortable with my husband because of the body that I was in. And I'm I, like, I'm changing it and I feel better about myself and I feel more confident. I'm just not having surgery. I'm doing it in the gym. And if I chose to have surgery and still had the same outcome, yeah, I think I've asked this question like a million times during this whole episode. But I think like after every little topic, I bring up the same thing just in different ways. <laughs> I think it's just because it's so, again, it's just so... I think this is a great segue into the next topic, which is the thin ideal based on the diet industry. I can't speak for you. I can't speak for your intentions behind all of that. I can, I I do want to touch on the fact though, that a lot of people who lose weight do it because they want to quote unquote fit in with beauty ideals, which Mm. at the moment is the thin ideal. And I think um, like, Again, it's a fucking nuanced argument because to feel comfortable in your body, as in when we're talking about weight loss, being overweight, carrying excess weight is uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable when you sit down. It's uncomfortable when you move around. It's uncomfortable to, and I'm not speaking about you when I say this, by the way, I'm speaking about being overweight, 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 full stop. Uh, Like when you're walking upstairs and you can't fucking breathe properly, like that creates a lot of discomfort however i don't know again it's fucking nuanced because there's there's a difference between comfort and health (laughs) nuanced argument and uh (laughs) mobility functionality etc and then there is still an underlying generally with weight loss there's an underlying force of wanting to fit into beauty standards the thin Mm. ideal based on the diet industry, the messages that were delivered about what is beautiful, what the beauty standards are. I don't know, maybe because for me, there's a process behind what I'm doing. And when, I, when I'm doing it, I have the space and the time to evaluate why. I think when you go into surgery, you make a decision and then you have the outcome. Like mm. you, maybe you're making a decision based on emotions, whereas let's just say I'm altering my body by going to the gym and dieting. It's yeah, it is. It's it's different. Still based I'm, on emotion. Yeah, it can still be based on emotion, definitely. But I feel through the process, you learn a lot more. Through you have the opportunity to learn through the process. Not always, and maybe you do with surgery as well. I don't know. 
I've never done it. You can mm. align yourself. You can reflect on values. There's more space for reflection and understanding and growth. What I'm tr- trying to discover in my mind as you keep questioning this is if you have the instant gratification of going to get surgery versus the delayed gratification of shifting or altering your body composition in the gym, they're both driven by emotion. They're both somewhat driven by this beauty ideal, particularly for a lot of people with, with weight loss. Like At least my experience with a lot of the women that I used to coach was that what they were really striving for was like happiness and confidence and wanting to feel beautiful outside of the like health shit that they were facing. So they're both also driven by this beauty ideology as well. Again, I'm just going to bring it back to the whole... Like the actual concept of the documentaries was that people are going to these extremes. And I think maybe what I'm talking about and what I am trying to push more people is into this middle ground and this middle ground of understanding is there doesn't have to be these extremes. We can have a middle place that can be healthy. Like it can, it doesn't have to be driven by this because of this reason and you know, causing detriment to our physical and mental health can make these decisions in the middle. And I feel that there can be a middle, but the documentaries are talking about these extremes. And that's just, I just struggle to comprehend that personally because um, I have been to an extreme, but I think I've worked through that to come to a middle understanding. I just hate extremes. I hate extremes. Like why the fuck do they have to be extremes? But yeah yeah which brings us to the next point very (laughs) fucking perfectly because the diet industry also speaks in extremes if you listen to our fad diet episode you will know where we stand on that but again like the the diet industry is a fucking billion dollar industry preying on people's insecurities and yes there are health reasons why people choose to lose weight but (laughs) a lot of the time it's it is also driven by this ideal of thin equals beautiful you know this the fat phobic opinions that a lot of people have and a lot of people not everyone associates fat with ugly and so then Mm -hmm. there is there is this influence of losing weight for a beauty reason and I'm speaking about that in isolation outside of the health reasons yeah something that he said was that for a lot of people, thin equals happiness and fat is a synonym for ugly, which are just it's a perfect way to kind of package that opinion up in a little bow. Yeah. Um, and it was really interesting, the children with the dolls. Yeah. That was really sad. And But then that does make me wonder, like, where are these ideologies com- coming from? Because then they did have children at the end and it was such a beautiful way it's making me so emotional. <laughs> Why is that making me so emotional? Oh, because I guess a lot of this is learnt, right? It is really learnt. And I try and teach my children, fuck, why, what's happening right now? Like it really it pisses me off that people have such an impact on their children. And I try and teach my children that they're beautiful no matter what and that even their beauty isn't about how they look. It's about the people that they are. So the fact that these kids are sitting there looking at these fat dolls, thinking that they're ugly and undeserving, really fucking hurts. Clearly, look what the fuck is coming up. Wow. That just, oh, yeah, that just hurts. 
just for context of what Karine's talking about is um, <laughs> blubbering out, you mean? Yeah. <laughs> um, there was, they did, so they sat all these kids down. They had a Barbie, like a, I don't know, I hate using the term, but let's, for fucking explanation's sake, they had a skinny Barbie and a fat Barbie. And then um, Todd, the presenter dude, said, which out of these two are lazy? Which out of these two are ugly? Which out of these two are um, mean? And every time, no matter what question they asked, they picked up the fat Barbie and said this one. And so, again, you do, like it is learnt. It's either come from, you know, their mums commenting on their own bodies or like 700,000 gazillion different ways that these kids who were like seven or five or I don't know, they're just six young, um, <laughs> had learned that being fat means ugly, lazy, mean. I don't know why meanness was fucking involved in it. I have no idea. Yeah. You'd think almost that like the bitchy skinny girls were the, was, you know, like that that mean girls is a fucking movie that everyone's seen. Although That's maybe what, not to be honest, yeah, I don't know where the mean thing comes from because and I could look maybe this is learnt behavior because I think about that too and I think about mean I think about mean girls and they were always like the popular skinny Skinny. fashionista ones so yeah it's just that part it blew my mind and I think that's just because again like what I'm trying to teach my children is that everyone is different and everyone is deserving and I really don't understand fat shaming and fat phobia like mm. that I don't understand, that I don't think is okay. Just because no. someone is fat or in a larger body does not make them undeserving. And does not open up the fucking tunnel of bullying. Yeah. Yeah. Tunnel. That's a weird word to use. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I guess that kind of brings us to the health of every size lady and the, uh, the puppet lady as you've written. And I think, I know, so I'll be honest, I'm so 50-50 on this. Some parts of what she was saying, I was like, yep, totally understand, can totally ride for it. There were some sections that I was a bit like, eee, my opinions opinions are a little bit different. Um, but I do have to lay it out. I have never lived in a larger body. I have never experienced anything that a person in a larger body has experienced. So, uh, yeah, a lot of what I have to say are opinions, not experiences. I feel that I definitely sit on the fence with health at every side. Um, and I think that's, we're going to be doing an, a big topic on this. So I won't go too much in, into it. I think we want to make sure that we're doing it justice. Um, but there were definitely some things that she said that I absolutely understand. And I, I did really like her message and what she was, you know, teaching the children that, uh, yes, body acceptance, I think, is really important in our society, especially because even though I feel like I've kind of argued the whole advertising and social media thing, a lot of what we do see is that skinny ideal, right? That's what apparently skinny is is better, Um, you know, which we know isn't necessarily the truth. And I think her message of body acceptance and bodies accepting bodies at all sizes is really important and also totally steering the kids away from the body itself, talking about the thinking and the feeling. I like how I think and I like how I feel, which are really, really important aspects 
And to be honest, now that I had uh, had like a chance to kind of reflect, it's probably why I hate and I've been so resistant to this body image and advertising and social media thing. As much as I think everyone is attracted to different things, I don't think the, the beauty at the end of the day really doesn't mean anything, does it? It comes down, for me anyway, it comes down to the person who, like the person you are and how you are contributing to society. They're things that I think are really important. And you could be ugly, air quotes, or beautiful, air quotes. How do, That doesn't change what you do or who you are, But which I think is a little part of what her point is, yeah. which is what I I liked about that segment. Remember when we were talking about the social media episode and, and one of the comments that I made was that it doesn't matter what you look like, it matters who you are. At least that's my opinion. However, that's not to say that, as we've said across this episode, that our brains aren't wired to appreciate attractive things and social media is an image-based platform. And unfortunately, the better looking someone is, or at least perceived better looking by a large audience someone is, the more attention they get and the more engagement they get. And it's just the way that it is today. Does that mean that it won't change over time? No. Are we here to have that conversation? Yes. I think it's really important that we do have that conversation. But yeah, at the end of the day, you've said it in this episode, like beauty's in the bar. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> podcasting today. Yeah. I'm fried now. Um, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And I think it's really important that the message is spread from childhood development up that at the end of the day, your beauty doesn't matter. Right, the next one is bariatric surgery. So for anyone who's unaware, bariatric surgery is a weight loss surgery. I think we touched on this at the start where they chop out 80% of your body. See you later. It's a keyhole surgery, which it didn't used to be, but that's technology these days. It is the most popular surgery worldwide for weight loss. And just some interesting commentary that he made in this segment was like beauty products, when diets fail, we blame ourselves, We, which then pushes you down Mm. further down the slippery slope. And so I think that's just important to touch on whether we're talking about beauty or weight loss. Oftentimes, yeah, when things don't work, we blame ourselves. We don't look at the product or the process because we're we all have such large inner critics and I mean we touched on this in the fad dieting episode about why they don't work and like physiologically why they don't work but also how it affects you psychologically and I think that's a large reason why a a lot of people do move towards bariatric surgery because there is that both physiological and psychological effects of quote unquote, the failure of dieting that then means that they feel and that, that it's their fault that they don't have the willpower, that the reason it didn't work was because they suck and they're a failure. And that then, of course, leads someone towards something like bariatric surgery, which again, like other cosmetic surgeries, I would question like, does it solve the psychological issues that you have? Does it solve your emotional or binge eating issues? Does it solve the struggles that you're having mentally that may mean that you're using food as a coping mode. And again, I'm not saying it's right or wrong by any means, but I do think we need to question these things and look at what psychologically has is driving us towards making a 
drastic life-altering decision like getting bariatric surgery. And a quote that was said that I've written here is it doesn't solve the underlying psychological problems, but for Michelle, it's hope. And I think that's kind of been a big thing of what I've bring into this conversation is it might not be the answer but it might be a step towards it there were a couple other quotes that kind of really like twinged me if all diets if diets worked we'd all be thin you know what? I think that is just as fucking toxic like that for me is fucking toxic dudes like you're going on about body acceptance but then you throw in a quote like that Oh, man, that made me so angry because, like, <sighs> go listen to our Fried Dyes episodes. <laughs> it's going to get heated. But with Michelle, too, she had lipedema, which is a medical condition. So no amount of diet or exercise that she could do was going to get rid of that body fat. And I think that's a whole big thing that they skimmed over. And I don't even know if she kind of understood the extent of of uh, her condition i'm not sure it wasn't really talked about but yeah lipidemia is a condition when no amount of diet getting is necessarily going to change those fat cell structures and really the only way that that can be resolved is through liposuction which you know it's a medical condition so uh, then it begs me to ask the question is the bariatric surgery even going to work for her then if she mm. has lipidema Probably not. And another point that she bring up was how she went to a doctor and the doctor did a BMI and she was told she was told that she was obese and to eat more and move less. And that just I'm like, not helpful. That really That's not really off. helpful. Yeah. yeah. Not helpful, I, Jan. I used to get so fired up about this. Less so now because I'm kind of out of the industry, but I would have people come to me all the time. And again, for anyone who doesn't know my history, I used to help women lose like 30 to 50 kilos. That was my sector, niche. <laughs> my niche. <laughs> niche. Um, <laughs> that was what I helped women do. And of course, if you've got 30 to 50 kilos to lose, there's a lot of shit going on. But also you would have, generally speaking, but 100% of my clients had tried a thousand million different things before and often... And here's where, like, you know, we take doctor's advice as the Bible and I'm not mm. dissing doctors by any means, but doctors in their medical degree do like a semester on nutrition or something fucking minor in relation to the entirety of their degree. And I would often have my clients come to me and say, I've been to the doctor and they um, wanted to put me on Duramine, which is that like fucking medical speed shit that basically just like, do you know, have you heard of Duramine? I'm not exactly, but I've heard that there are tablets that can, yeah, so that people can be put on for fat loss. Yeah. I had a client who had done like a, a round, is that, I don't know what the term is. It sounds like a steroid, but it's not a steroid, like a, <laughs> a, 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 um, a series of germ, a, a round of germ, I don't know, like a, a I don't know. Block yeah. Of <laughs> no. <laughs> anyway, know what you I mean, said- but I don't know what the term is. Um, and it like, she, she had anxiety and because it like fastens your heart rate and like makes you want to move, but also somehow suppresses your appetite or something, it like fucked with her anxiety majorly. And she ended up worse off in the end than she was at the start. And the whole like eat less, move more for someone who already feels like a failure is just such fucking unhelpful advice. 
yeah, yeah, sure. Like, I get it, but I've tried 500,000 times. I feel like a failure. I mm. feel like my willpower sucks. And, of course, on top, this particular case study had lymph... lymph, lymph, lymph lymphedema. Lymphedema. Yeah. And as you said, surgery, prob- like, isn't going to help with that. So was her condition even looked into? Like, was that, is that something that was taken into consideration in these steps? Like, we should just ha- told she had lymphedema and, 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 and that was it. Like, nothing can be done to help you except bariatric surgery. Like, I don't know. There was a lot of information that wasn't given to us, so we don't really know. But, I do feel yeah. Like, she spoke about how, you know, she always wore long dresses or long pants because she was so embarrassed or ashamed of what she looked like and she's a real beach person and she hasn't been to the beach for three years and again back to my argument like the shame and the guilt comes from these fucking beauty ideals mm. full stop <laughs> but I full feel, stop that's it <laughs> but I feel really yeah I, I and 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 again if if that's the solution to her feeling happy and confident in her body then it's, it's ending up being a very positive thing. And I, I do feel, and I'm not sure what the case is, that if someone was to go in to have bariatric surgery, are they getting the support afterwards and the education afterwards that they may need? Because the surgery isn't the solution. There's still the psychological the issues that are there. Are, are these people getting that help? And they, they actually might be. We don't know this. This is a question mark. This is not us saying anything other than we don't know. Blanket statementing. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. And, and if not, it's something that I feel is really important because, you know, surgery may help and I think it can have its place, but that's if it is supported with education and if needed psychological help. Yeah, I did put a note here too and it was it was just makes me think what, are we doing as a human race? This isn't what humans were created for. It was just something that came up in my note taking. And I just feel like we've really dissuaded from what it is actually means to be human, mm. which is to be, to live, to procreate, I guess to be happy. I don't know. It's kind of sad. Mm. It's kind of what, what's going to happen in the future? Like what's going to be next? That's the scary thing. Where is it all going? And for what? It's a fucking good question because I guess I'm, when I think about having kids in the future and the fact that it's normal, quote unquote normal, that they have access to the internet or phones. Like, obviously, as a parent, you have control over that. But, you know, I didn't get a phone until I was, well, social media didn't exist until I was 16 and it didn't exist in the same capacity. So, we were the last generation that grew up without social media having a big influence on us younger than 16, or at least for me, born in 1991. Facebook and Instagram came around when I was in year 10, so 16 years old, and it just isn't, it wasn't operating the same way that it operates today. So we were the last generation where social media, the internet, advertising, all of this shit didn't have an influence on our developmental years and now your kids and my future kids um we like that is going to be the norm like i think even looking at 12 year olds these days who fucking like when i was 12 14 16 i looked like the fucking biggest little loser <laughs> kid <laughs> who's wearing like mismatching shit and now they're, they're like 
full done up faces with like proper fashion and um you know it's just such a different way of living than the environment that I was brought up in yeah and I think that's and that is what I'm trying to create for myself and that's why I've withdrawn from I guess so many of these these things like we don't I hate watching free-to-air tv because I hate the advertisements like I don't care about fucking celebrities because other than just watching and enjoying movies and being entertained like I I don't give a shit and yeah I've really just tried to shift away from all that stuff and focus on what is important to me and look yeah I want to feel good about myself yeah I'm probably going to get lip filler and and Botox again I'm not going to lie about that but doesn't mean that I'm not living within my values or um, living, yeah, I guess within my values, which is, you know, focusing on being, focusing on, you know, know, it's not about things, it's about the experiences and the relationships and conversations like this. I guess the last thing that I just want to say, which was said in the documentary and also probably where it kind of puts everything that I think into one little pretty little sentence and that is that today's beauty ideal is the first that takes surgery to attain it and I just feel like that is such a powerful fucking statement because again when we look back at quote unquote like beauty and body trends as the years have progressed like in the documentary they spoke about like the Victorian era where like corsets actually like manipulated women's waist sizes and then like Marilyn Monroe and blah like all of these different influences across all of these different decades. And yeah, now if you want to, for lack of a better word, like reach or attain this ideal of beauty, the only way to do that is to get surgery. And I think that's why I feel so strongly about cosmetic surgery, because I believe that we should just try to embrace our natural beauty. And if we don't have things that require cosmetic surgery, then is that such a big issue? Like, can we not work on our own inner shit to feel comfortable with what we have? Question mark. Some people can't, obviously, but that I guess (laughs) that's that's just a little sentence that kind of puts everything that I feel into a a couple of words. Yeah, and I, I, I agree with that statement. And I do think that what these people are doing in this beauty ideal is an extreme. Like, Kim Kardashian's body isn't natural it's not normal she's had surgery to achieve that and people have to have surgery to attain that which I don't think is healthy but where I guess I kind of stand is if and again I'll just use the lip filler as an example because that what comes to my mind is if something like some lip filler is going to make me feel better about myself and I'm not necessarily overhauling my whole body but just enhancing what I want to enhance I still feel that things can be done in a healthy way I also feel it comes down to your intention what is the intention behind it and where does that intention sit on an emotional level are we doing things yeah why are we doing it why are we having this surgery I think if it's something that you're considering it is worth sitting down and really thinking about it and making sure that the decisions that you're making are coming from a 
more healthy adult place than maybe a hurt little child place or influenced by the fucking someone on social media or in the tabloids or media in general. I just want everyone to feel like they're beautiful the way that they are. Okay? (laughs) Yeah. So do I. (laughs) All righty. So do I. Fucking juicy episode. To conclude, there's a couple of tips that they chucked in at the end of the documentary. Of course, as Corinne has said a couple of times, like, this documentary was created for awareness purposes. And also I remember the Todd guy said that his one of his intentions for the documentary was also to create some understanding as to why people go to these extreme measures to attain beauty ideals or move away from their body dis- dissatisfaction. So they kind of concluded, yeah, with some tips. So the first three things that they said was that what has been conditioned can be unconditioned, which is a lot of what we were talking about at in regards to understanding your childhood and understanding the connection between what happened in your childhood or who said what or what was influenced where and how you're showing up in your adulthood. The second thing was that mirrors are not a reflection of your worth. Let's just let that one sink in for a second. (laughs) And the third one was that we are sold an unattainable beauty ideal that allows companies to profit off our insecurities, conditioning us for dissatisfaction. So... Mm. A lot of advertising and marketing is literally set up in that way. So that's really important for us to understand and acknowledge. And then, yeah, just some tips to assist you with body dissatisfaction. Awareness is the first step. And that's something that I feel is really, really important. And and I think that's a big part of, of what I'm saying is, you know, make your decisions based on awareness, not because someone said something. If you still want to go ahead with it, like, cool, do do it, but take the time to understand why and make your decisions based on that, not because someone else has told you that X, Y, Z is more. Get it. Um, Next one. Then, of course. Less time on online. Less time online. Detoxing. They recommended even taking like a week off social media can be beneficial. I've never done that before. Have you? Mm-hmm. A whole week. Like I've, I haven't done a week. I definitely done go three months. days. Did you really? Oh, yeah, I do remember that. Yeah. It was a while ago. Fucking great. It was, a while. I was like, yeah, two, two plus years ago. Um, it's great. Felt so free. And honestly, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. If my business wasn't on social media, if social media wasn't a, a massive tool to assist in marketing, I think my presence on social media would be minimal. I agree. I'd probably, it's hard to say because I think I am addicted to it. Oh, I'm definitely addicted. Be honest. I am addicted to it. But yeah, same. I I use it for my business. It's a massive marketing tool for my business. And if I didn't rely on that, I probably wouldn't be on there. It takes a lot of energy. It does take a lot of energy, especially because I'm not immune to social media. Just because I sit here and I can preach things doesn't mean I'm immune to it. I do still have to really practice what I talk about here. That takes a lot of energy. So detoxing. Yeah. Another thing that they said, which was I found fascinating, but also incredibly important. There's this statement that says you are the sum of the, you are the sum or the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. And they made a point of saying you are the average of your social media following. And yeah, says, he said, what we see psychologically determines who we become. And I think that's a fucking important point because when we think about our environment, 
we mostly always just think about our physical environment. However, because we're all on social media so fucking much, our social media environment has an Im- very impactful influence upon what we think, who we feel like we need to be, etc. And so you're the average of your social media following. When we talk about detoxing, like we spoke about this, these were a few of these tips of what we said in our social media episode. I just think that's actually, I've never thought about it that way, but it makes so much fucking sense. Like if you're mm. only following fitness influencers, then that's who you feel like you need to become. But if you diversify your feed and you've got different skin tones and ethnicities and um, body sizes and all kinds of different shit, then I think you can become much more accepting, like, yeah, of, of who you are or what you look like. And, yeah, I just think thinking about our social media environment in that way is really, really powerful. I agree. And a, a big thing that I took away from it as well was when we are only presented with one type of body, that's what then becomes the normal. Like anything outside of that isn't normal. And that's why I think diversifying your feed and curating it you've written here curate your following and unfollow influencers i think curating your feed is really important just for your own self-perception because like you said if you're constantly just looking at the same thing that's like that's all you're given yeah and and then then you look at yourself and be like but i'm not that yeah and that's then of course where we lead into things like feeling like we have to go and get cosmetic surgery to look like what we're seeing all the fucking time Mm -hmm. uh another really solid point and you actually commented on this at some stage not this episode was um to become media literate and ask how does this make me feel and really question Mm. what you're seeing and how it makes you feel and the impact you feel like it's having on you um that does take a great amount of awareness but it's really fucking important point uh body dissatisfaction uh breeds from attention the more attention we give our bodies the more likely we are to feel dissatisfied and totally feel that and this is where i don't think that mirrors helpful yeah and and i mean like in my body confidence course one of the steps is to take your appearance off the table and work out who the fuck you are outside of your appearance because we place so much emphasis on what we look like that we forget to like check in and work out who we are and what our values are and what's important to us and who we are as a human not what we fucking look like um and a big one too was the home environment starve beauty of attention in the home and i think that's something that is big for me and I think I do think about my childhood and a lot of like the ways that my dad would talk about women and then I guess the impact that that had on my mum and then how my mum would talk about her body like like I can't deny that that has definitely had an impact on on me for sure and it's something that when I do talk to the boys about like to be honest we we don't even really talk about bodies, you know, in that sort of sense in terms of, oh, beautiful. Like, of course, I do tell my boys that they're handsome um, because I think that they are and I still think that's important to let them know. But we also talk a lot about, like, I think they're beautiful and I think they're beautiful because of, I say, because of what's in here and point to his heart and, you know, you're a really kind person and such a loving person and they're all amazing qualities and we try and really you know push them towards understanding who they are and that that is so much more important than than how you look you're a cutie (laughs) (laughs) so i guess Um, we're we're starving beauty of attention at our home we're putting the emphasis on 
the things that are more important in life. Well, and as we've discussed like countless times, all this shit, like, sorry, all of the beliefs that we have about body and creating beliefs about what is good or bad or pretty or beautiful or not starts from childhood. And so as parents, not one, obviously, but as parents, I think there's a massive responsibility to have awareness of that and to really watch your language around bodies because kids are little sponges and they observe and they take on our beliefs and yeah, to be able to discuss it, not discuss it and starve it is really, really powerful. And I think there's a big responsibility on parents' shoulders to create a positive body image environment from a young age. Yeah. And yeah, we, and we, well, we and uh, we do talk. <laughs> Get the words out there. Awesome, and we do, <laughs> we do talk about bodies in our hot household, but more from a diversity perspective. And I will bring up this one incident. And man, I shut down my son in a really nice, calm, gentle way straight away. He came home and he was like, "Oh, everyone started calling Taj Fat Taj," and I'm like hmm, wow, do you think that that's really kind? And we kind of talked through it and talked about, okay, yeah, look, maybe he is fat. We can't, you know, sometimes they are facts, but that doesn't mean, you know, his body is different from yours and that's okay because there are a lot of different bodies in this world. And just because he is fat doesn't mean that he doesn't deserve respect and kindness. So we don't talk about bodies in a way that we highlight body image and you know, I don't walk around talking about being skinny and even though I'm dieting down and going through a dieting phase at the moment, it's not something that like I purposely talk, like I don't talk about that to my sons. It's not, we don't talk about it in the house and it's not because like I feel ashamed or anything like that. It's just because I do still think that dieting can be a healthy part of your life whatever phase you're going through big point social media is part of the problem but it can also be part of the solution and that is what i am big on i am so big on that is let's stop again you you have the choice you get to choose especially when it comes to social media what you are taking in you don't like it get rid of it done boom mic drop Alrighty, that was a juicy, juicy episode. Good luck editing that. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. like seven hundred hours. How many people? How many people made it to the end? Yeah, if you <laughs> made on, it through, comment on the post. <laughs> you deserve a medal. That was a very nuanced uh, topic, and as we've said a few times throughout the episode, I'm glad that we had differing opinions obviously we have a lot of respect for each other we have a lot of respect for each other's opinions we're very open-minded however that doesn't mean that we don't have our own beliefs based on our own personal stuff um and just because we've said what we've said doesn't mean that we have any judgment I guess I just want to clarify like we have or I'll speak for myself I have no judgment towards anyone who makes decisions to alter themselves I just really want women to understand where it's coming from, where your desire to alter yourself, and I guess I'm specifically referring to cosmetically, um, comes from. And, yeah, to just know that you're fucking beautiful the way that you are and you don't have to go and spend 30 grand to make yourself feel happier. You can work 
internally and I strongly encourage that you work on yourself internally first and then if you want to get surgery down the track that's cool but just make sure that inside is the first place that you're working on hoorah yeah totally agree look we agree on something no (laughs) (laughs) love proud grateful would you like to go first today sure um I'm proud that we got some (laughs) nah I'm proud of us for this episode um it was I don't know I, n- I never like I, I I know I said this before but like I never like discussing things that have the potential potential to offend anyone and I think the way that social media works this way like everyone seems like they're always offended at everything but I think this was a really important conversation obviously I work in the body image body confidence space I feel very strongly about a lot of these different things so I'm really proud of us for bringing this episode to light grateful that I started swimming again I know that sounds random but I really love swimming and I just haven't done it for ages in the last couple of days I've gone for some laps at lunchtime in fact I'm about to head after this and yeah I just like challenging myself in a different way it's I'm very unfit in the pool it's like a different level of fitness um but it's a good little new challenge for me and so that's fun I'm grateful for the pool for myself and I love <laughs> I'm fucking done. Hey. Um, I love myself. I just love, I love that I care so much for people. Like my passion behind this episode is because I care for how much pain women are in to go and spend 30 grand getting a fucking surgery. And yeah, that's, that was really the driver for, that is the driver for how I feel about all these things, because I know what it feels like to fucking hate yourself and hate your body and be in such immense pain that you feel like you'll do absolutely anything to get out of that pain and so yeah, I just love how much I care for humans because it's a lot yeah well that's really sweet um love I love that I am a great mother and I'm trying to instill some really good good values what I deem good values and beliefs into my sons and I hope that I can raise beautiful and respectful little gentlemen that's I guess is what my goal is who respect themselves and respect other people as well um proud I am proud of I yeah I'm proud of doing this uh, program that I'm doing I've got a lot of imposter syndrome and I'm really proud of myself for being able to push that aside and do what I gotta do to go where I want to go and grateful I am just grateful for the opportunity that I have to create programs and help people how I want to help them. I think social media has, you know, really allowed me to help people. And so it can be part of the solution. Yay! Excellent. So if you enjoyed this episode, I'm really bad at the outro. <laughs> can you do it, Kate Bernal, please? <laughs> We're going to the end of this. Congratulations. I hope that you enjoyed this conversation. Uh, if you liked this episode, we would be so appreciative if you could screenshot it, chuck it on your stories and tag us so that we can connect with you and also so that you can help us spread the message of all of the great shit that we talk about. Hopefully you <laughs> got something really positive out of this. Maybe it changed your perspective or it provided you insight or something. That's all, folks. Thank you so much for listening. We love you. We'll catch you in the next episode. Bye. Bye.